Yeah, so how about that intro music? Sounds pretty cool, huh? I bet. Nice and rocking. Or maybe it's soft and mellow. You know, they say rock and roll's making a comeback. <laughs> I don't know that I've heard that. It's coming back. Hmm. I, c- I can't wait to see if that comes to fruition. <laughs> how are you? I am well. That's good. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Speaking of rock and roll making a comeback, yeah. are we just jumping right in? Yeah, today we're going to talk about uh, the year 2003. Maybe the best year in rock music? <clears throat> it's its 20th birthday, the 2003 year. <laughs> <laughs> A surprisingly monumental year. Yeah, um, just to get everyone in like the 2003 zone, let me tell you a little bit about what was going on in our world. This note in my phone... <laughs> If you just saw it with no context, it would probably be a little concerning. But so in 2003, we entered the Iraq war. (laughs) How did you find out that we were going into war? Today? Yeah. Um, I looked at it on the internet and it told me that's when we went to war. Do you mean at the time? Either way. (laughs) (laughs) How did you find out in... Um, Well, I was surprised to learn that the Iraq War didn't start till 2003. Um, In my head, it just was always happening, I think, (laughs) after after 9-11-2001. Yeah, I think we've been doing Afghanistan for a while, and then we decided to kind of expand. However, some some good news for 2003. SARS was contained. That was 2003? Um, Yeah, unfortunately, you know, we as a... Mostly us as a nation um, did not learn. Did not do well with uh, a sequel to <laughs> SARS, but that's not for us to worry about because right now we're in 2003, where MySpace is launching. 2003, MySpace launched. Mm-hmm. This is so, fun. I didn't know you were doing. Yeah, this. so you can get on MySpace and write a little note about how America has freedom fries instead of French fries because <laughs> we also did that. <laughs> so when was Live Journal? I don't know. <laughs> when was Friendster? Uh, see, people talk about Friendster. I don't, I don't believe remember that Friendster. ever existed. I was a Zanga lady, um, and then I went to MySpace after it. Are you? Why are you showing me your calves? <laughs> Itchy. Okay. Ooga. <laughs> I was a. <laughs> sorry, I was strictly uh, MSN Messenger and also internet forums. Ah, I spent a lot of time in questionable chat rooms. Okay. So very cool. <laughs> also in 2003, let's shift a little from world events to pop culture. Um, some detouring new, hard from the the world events. The new some new words were added to to our American dictionary, such as manscaping and muffin top. What? Yeah, manscaping was back in 2003. Yeah, we've added it to the dictionary. Wow, I'm behind. Yeah, well. And then also, um, the first season of America's Next Top Model aired along with the first season of The Bachelorette. Huh. Billy Bob Thornton and Angelina Jolie divorced. Mm, yeah. Ruben Studdard won American Idol. Is that season two? Mm-hmm. Jessica Simpson asked the, the question on everyone's mind, is chicken of the sea chicken or tuna? <laughs> I love that you prepared this whole bit. <laughs> Natalie Maines from the Chicks criticized George W. Bush at a concert in London. That was pretty cool. Um, so that was the year my parents stopped being fans of that band. <laughs> yeah. 
And um, Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera mouth-kissed Madonna at the VMAs. I remember that. We all remember that. Um, let's see. Some people were born. Olivia Rodrigo and JoJo Siwa were both born in 2003. Oh, wow. Yeah. A lot of people died. Like, a lot. Maurice Gibb, mm. Nina Simone, June mm. Carter Cash and Johnny Cash, John Ritter, Elliot Smith. Um, there wow. were a lot more on my list that I didn't write down. Yeah. But a lot of people died. Like, a lot. I remember a couple of those when they happened. Obviously, Johnny Cash, that was... A yeah. big one. John Ritter. John Ritter, yeah. That was a big fan of Eight Simple Rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. East Company. Um, some movies that came out. Love Actually, Elf, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, School of Rock. Oh, School of Rock. I watched a lot of School of Rock. 13. 13. Geely. Oh, the classic. <laughs> wait, 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 was that Masterpiece the year? of film. Was that the it? year that J-Lo's album came out? I don't remember seeing it on the list. Maybe that was 2004. Yeah. Um, did Perhaps. I say Freaky Friday? I don't think you did. No, oh, you did it not. was probably because I also wanted to talk about just like how good that soundtrack was. That move, the movie Freaky Friday was pretty like pivotal in my life, but we'll get to it. Perhaps um, most, most notably, I began playing guitar in 2003. Is it more notable than the movie from Justin to Kelly coming out? No. Well, sorry. <laughs> or Geely. <laughs> Um, so yeah, those are the big events in 2003 to put you, you know, in it. We are now in in 2003. Tell me about who, who you were in 2003. What kind of person were you? Oh, thank you for asking this question because 2003 was a very interesting year for me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll try and keep it brief. Um, so I guess 2003, I turned 14 that year. Um, so that was the year I began high school. So I finished eighth grade. Oh, that is a big deal. And then fall of 2003, I began my freshman year. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, I started playing guitar that summer. Yeah. The summer before I started mm-hmm. high school. Mm-hmm. That's a story in, in and of itself. That you want to know it's interesting? Yes. Technically, we started playing guitar very close together. Really? Because I think I started playing guitar in 2004. We progressed very differently. Um, as you know, I'm quite you, good. I'm quite good. <laughs> you were, yeah, you rocketed to superstardom. You became the virtuoso and just a chud over here. Isn't that fun to think about though? That's very, very odd. Okay, go on. Tell me more about who you were in 2003. Uh, I was, again, trying to keep it somewhat brief because no one's going to care. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> you don't care. I don't care. No one's going to listen. Um, so when I was a kid, I played a lot of video games, but around junior high is when I started getting into music. So there was some overlap where mm-hmm. my primary interest, they were starting to kind of converge. Mm-hmm. A lot of people my age, including myself, played the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater games, uh, which yes. are mm-hmm. revered for their soundtracks. Yeah, And I feel like that's kind of the point where those two interests, like one was kind yeah. of giving way to the other. Because yeah. at a certain point I realized, oh, I'm playing these games at first, I'm playing them because they're fun, and then at a certain point, I was just playing them so I could play some music and zone out and just play some games. Anyway, yeah. um, I did start playing guitar that summer. It was probably the low point of my social life. I spent any time I was not playing <laughs> video games or trying to learn guitar, I was on the internet. Hell yeah. I uh, This is a real side note, but a friend of mine um, introduced me... I think this is January 2003, introduced me to the game RPG Maker 2000, oh. in which I made my first video games. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then I stumbled upon a message board for that, that game, which, I don't know, the internet's an odd place. You'll find, like, a niche community 
for the smallest little thing and it just has this devoted fan base that mm-hmm. become becomes its own community and you can't ever explain it to to someone outside <laughs> of it but yeah um there's a very like very tight-knit group of people that i met i never met the majority of them in person but that was kind of the only people i talked to for a good two years and most of them were out of state out of country yeah so that that began in 2003 mm-hmm. um so my social life in school was probably rock bottom but on the internet but on the internet couldn't have been hotter yeah <laughs> uh that's 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 who i was in 2003 okay. kind of okay. starting to play music on the yeah. internet a lot yeah I kind I of like, I feel, I credit 2003 for kind of yeah. setting me on a certain path mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that, you know, it was a little bit of a detour from the person I am now, but it, it did set some guidelines or not guidelines, but set some, uh, foundations yeah. for what would happen later in my teenage years. Yeah. My 2003 was kind of similar. It was a pretty, 2003 was a pretty, um, pivotal time in my life. I I was really at a crossroads on on who I was. I I was <laughs> I um I would have been when it turned 2003 I would have been in 7th grade and then I would have started my 8th grade year yeared 8th grade year in 2003. Um so I was 13. I had just become a teenager, not a girl, not yet a woman. Oh, so true. And um you know, most of my life well, I don't know. I I was a farm gal, as you know. Um, so you know, part farm girl. Um, I wanted to be like popular, like most most people did. You know, um, I don't know if I was or not. I definitely hung out with people who I think were, but I don't know if that meant I was. <sighs> it was tough being a teenage girl, but. <laughs> wow <laughs> sorry um 2003 is when i i think again like you said laid the foundation for who i am now i always liked music as a kid i would just walk around the farm singing my heart out you know because uh, <laughs> no one could hear me i would just walk i would just walk into the woods and sing at the top of my lungs and it was fine because we had a lot of land. But what were um, you singing? Oh, who knows? I think I saw the Star Spangled Banner a lot. <laughs> wow! I didn't realize I married well, such a a patriot. It was like one of the songs I knew all the words to because we had to learn it in school for some reason. So, my, <laughs> so most of my life it was just been you know. Um, pop radio hits was was what I was interested in, and some country music because mm-hmm. um, farm. <sighs> It must have been so. Two thousand three is when Fuse TV happened. Yes, I don't know if you were if you had that channel. My, I think my friend uh, John Twiggy. Yeah, yeah, you may know. I uh-huh. think he had it. Yeah. Well, we got it. Um, I I liked to, to watch TRL as a kid, and back in those days, TRL was interesting because it was like Britney Spears and Limp Biscuit and Corn and Christina Aguilera, and then. Good Charlotte. Good Charlotte was really the turning point for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I resonated so much with the song Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. <laughs> but for some reason, that that is what radicalized me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. came, that came out in 2002, so I don't want to derail too much. But right. um, I probably did see it in 2003. But 
Yeah, for some reason, that song, something in me unlocked, and I, I started to like um, rock music, you know? So, that, so 2003 <laughs> was probably the year that that yeah. began for you? Yeah, if you looked at my eighth grade yearbook picture, I would have been the before me, because mm-hmm. um, it happened mid-eighth grade year. Mm-hmm. And then freshman year is a pretty different story. <laughs> I would say that's the same for me. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, you've, you've probably seen my yearbook yeah. photos, but seventh and eighth grade, which would have been 2001 and mm-hmm. two for me. Yeah. Short hair, awkward kid, mustache. Um, then you get into freshman year, all of a sudden I have long hair, still an awkward lanky kid, but But wearing, it's clear, like what kind of guy you are wearing. Yeah. Led Zeppelin shirt by this point. (laughs) Um, I was getting into music and it was a very slow process for me Mm -hmm. again, not to derail, Mm -hmm. not to get off the year in question too much, Mm -hmm. but it was kind of a slow building process for me. But again, 2003, like you, it was the year that it really began. Mm -hmm. However, I think we have different experiences and that a lot of the music I listen to, in 2003 wasn't necessarily from 2003. Right. Yeah. Going through the list, I definitely listened to more at the time than you did. Yes. There's quite a few on the list that I that came out in 2003 that I didn't listen to until later. I wasn't cool enough yet, but yeah. Um you were more of a classic rock guy as a yes. <laughs> young teen. <laughs> and you mentioned School of Rock earlier that oh, yeah. that movie I mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier that I watched it a lot, but yeah, the yeah. movie was big for me cuz yeah, it happened to too. come out at the peak of Yeah. I got into Led Zeppelin. They're yeah, my favorite yeah, yeah. band. I got into Zeppelin probably going back to 2000, 2001. And the peak of my Zeppelin fandom was 2003, 4, 5. And then School of Rock came out. And of course, it has that scene with the Immigrant Song, which was a huge deal that Jack Black was able to get that song mm-hmm. licensed for the movie because they famously rarely like Only School of songs. Rock and Shrek. Yeah, Shrek. <laughs> uh, anyway, though. That that lined up in a very synchronous way, I guess you yeah. would say. That movie and Freaky Friday, because the yes. Lindsay Lohan Freaky Friday, she's like in a band and wore a jean jacket and was like very cool. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is this is great. And so I also wore a jean jacket for quite a few years. <laughs> oh, wow. We're learning things about each other. Um, I don't know if this is something you were going to bring up, but obviously we're going to talk about. Was it music. the Iraq War? Because we already talked about that. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the weapons of mass destruction. What? Dick Cheney made money off the Iraq War. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> so, so the I guess the main theme of to of this week, you would say, is that we're going to discuss. Albums that came out in 2003, but I also wanted to ask you, Okay, there were, I was trying to come up with a mental list of music in general that people I was going to school with and friends of mine were listening to. Yeah. And that includes bands that didn't necessarily release an album in 2003. Mm -hmm. I would say some of the biggest bands in my school at the time were coming off albums they released in 2002, 2001. Um, and we started to talk about this the other day, and you said to kind of put a pin in it for tonight. Okay, great. I can't wait. I don't remember what it was. Well, do you want me to – I guess I'll ask you first. Okay. Um, just in general, like country, rock, hip-hop, pop, what were people listening to like in your school? Hmm. Friends or like not necessarily friends, um, just anyone? It was really just what was on the radio, um, yeah. and we've talked about this before. We had different yes. radios. Yes, I wanted <laughs> I wanted this to come up because I feel like this is interesting, and not even necessarily just kids at school, but like yeah. 
your family, like your mom, mm-hmm. anyone like well, that? Well, yeah. So we grew up in different towns. You grew up much closer to a larger town than I did. Yes. So we had different radio. There's de- absolutely a chance that we had the same radio and we just didn't put on like the same station. But um, from what I remember, it was really just like country stations and then like the top 40 um, current stuff. Mm-hmm. And those were really the two big ones. So at the time, like top 40 was a real mixed bag. Like you would have, you know, Brittany, Christina, um, I'm sure Celine Dion and Cher had songs out at the time. And then, yeah, yeah like uh, Limp Biscuit and Stained and Puddle of Mud. Like it was all mixed together. So yeah. if you went to a birthday party at the um, Morphew building, which... <laughs> is the um like community center type room that is rentable um in the nursing home that's where we had our birthday parties anyway people would make (laughs) make cds and it would just be a mix of like the slow r&b slow dance songs and then um just like some hip-hop or rap and then like puddle of mud Mm -hmm. like we were all wild about that she hates me song i don't know what year that came out but um yeah uh, yeah and then there were like the cooler kids who listened to i don't know real bands <laughs> See, that's, <laughs> but i wasn't one of them that was something else i thought about oh she hates me it was 2001 by the way wow but that's that's kind of what was interesting to me because i started getting so fixated on albums that came out in 2003 mm-hmm. but of course i would say probably the biggest band from my perception at the time probably the biggest band when i was in eighth grade starting freshman year would have been system of a down. Oh, but I think they're, I think, uh, toxicity was 2001. Maybe what, which one was that? Is that chop suey? Chop suey aerials. See, I didn't become aware of system of a down until that other album, the one about going to a party. (laughs) Oh yeah. That was like 2005. Um, yeah. yeah, System of a down was pretty, it wasn't until I I was hanging out with like, band people and i don't mean school band i mean rock rock and roll bands yeah it wasn't until then a few years later that i became aware of that yeah um they were really big if not i mean i'm thinking now you know 20 years later but it seemed like they were the like the coolest band because they were still like you know they're having hits by that point but they were still kind of underground they weren't I mean, I could be wrong. It didn't feel like they were like a TRL type of band. Whereas yeah. like Limp Biscuit was by that yeah. point. Um, Nickelback, like Creed absolutely were. Mm-hmm. Puddle of Mud. like, But it's like System of a Down was more, they felt more genuinely like in the new metal mm-hmm. <laughs> the family values thing by that point. Yeah. But yeah, they were big. Um, disturbed. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Like even. Slipknot. Yeah. Even like Stained was on the radio. Yeah. So I was aware of that, but like, yes, yeah, Slipknot wasn't going to hear that on on Kiss of ninety two point five. Yeah, part <laughs> of it also was my friends were all kind of heading very heavy music. Yeah. So I think I was getting exposed to that pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, that, that probably sort of colors my perception of what was big than Cody, mm-hmm. Twiggy, mm-hmm. like all those people. They were heading like very new metal or like heavy end of post grunge so that's kind of what they're listening to but even then like i mean i remember 
Rage Against the Machine was still huge, which is funny because now, like thinking back, they've been broken up for a few years. Like Audio Slave was a year into their first album, and Rage Against the Machine was probably one of the most popular bands in school. Nirvana was still big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my music knowledge was really only kind of going to be coming from MTV. Yeah. And VH1 and the radio. Yeah. That's why when Fuse happened, it, it opened a door to a different place, but it's still not the same genre that you were in because <laughs> Fuse was a real different market. Yes. <laughs> yeah, my I wasn't watching MTV or VH1. It was all either stuff I picked up in internet forums yeah. or what my friends were listening to. Mm-hmm. Mudvayne, that was another one. Ooh. And <laughs> it seems like kind of the hip, quote, hip thing at the time. And then once you get into high school, like the cooler kids were listening to like Incubus. Oh, you yeah. Know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I, Incubus, like, like that's a band I was aware of at the time because of Drive was massive. Right. Um, I but, even heard Drive. Yeah. But like, <clears throat> I don't think, I feel like Incubus at the time, this is funny saying no, but I felt like Incubus at the time was like a high school band. And it, I don't mm, think it was other than up. Drive or maybe Pardon Me, it wasn't For really adults. on the junior high radar. Yeah. yeah. They were wanting to hear more like System of a Down, mm-hmm. Slipknot. And the other thing I wanted to mention, this is the thing you said to sort of hold off until mm-hmm. tonight. But I think part of the reason those bands were big is I distinctly remember System of a Down playing in Springfield mm. when I was in seventh or eighth grade. And that was like the talk of junior okay. high. Okay. It was like, did you yeah. go to the Sode show last night? <laughs> so that's... That's so different because where I grew up, concerts were the st- at the state fair. That was like the only place to see shows for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> yeah. So, which like eventually they got like rock bands, but that was after we yeah. had stopped going. But it, that seems so strange to just be like less than half an hour away from like a big concert like that. Yeah. Um. We. we Never, never. Yeah. <laughs> unless um, they were, unless they got booked at Bushwhacker Days. Yeah. <laughs> which. Is it okay if I say the area? Yeah. Been? Okay. So Springfield yeah. um, at the time had a place called the Juke Joint. And that was like the venue for bands that were like just about to break. I I, I like to nerd out and look up bands that played at that place. And like um, going back to Incubus, they Incubus and System of a Down played at the Juke Joint in Springfield in 98. So that's like Incubus touring science, System of a Down, I don't know, for the first album. So neither of them had like big success but they were just like on the verge of getting huge mm-hmm. um i want to say system of a down maybe they played at the shrine when they came back in 2001 or two another interesting thing slipknot played in ozark oh ozark missouri at the ball field at the duck field yeah just like a quarter of a mile from where we live um, that was very controversial i don't remember who else they played why with. would that be it was like them and this is going to be totally wrong, but like Soil, like one of those types of <laughs> bands. It was, I think it was two or three bands. Mm-hmm. But Slipknot definitely was the headliner and it was controversial because it's in a ball field here in the town we live in. It's in a field, but it's essentially surrounded by residential neighborhoods. Yeah. Once you go out, like on all sides, it's residential. So the the old fogies in the neighborhoods mm-hmm. were saying, we can't have this riffraff come in. You know, it's going to be a loud concert going ha- however late people are going to be. <laughs> on a weekend. Smoking the marijuana. Absolutely and- not. Drinking the beers. Worshipping and... the Satan. So yeah, someone was trying to make it a thing in the early mm-hmm. 2000s. And I want to say that the Slipknot show, it was so controversial that that was like the one and done. <laughs> but yeah, it's the, too bad. the Juke Joint, like they had, I don't know, Linkin Park was another band, which we'll kind of mm. get to that. But mm-hmm. bands like when they're maybe having their first like kind of rock radio hit, they would play the Juke Joint. And that's kind of like 
that tour that bands do before they really break, like mm-hmm. make it big. But yeah. I think that was kind of big for my area because if kids my age were maybe too young to see the show, maybe they'd get to go with like an older sibling or their older siblings tell them out about it or whatever. Okay. You want to talk about, um, yeah, let's get into the it. albums that came out in 2003. Yes. Okay. I got a pretty good list. I feel like there's probably some that are missing because there are quite a few that weren't on like the Wikipedia page. Yeah. I guess I was just listening to stuff that was a little too underground for Wikipedia, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I think the biggest song of 2003 was probably Into Club by 50 Cent. Yes. Um, Get Rich or Die Trying came out. It, that that was just like the biggest song. That, no yeah, one could that escape was, it. I remember that constantly playing. Yeah. Uh, again, I mentioned gym the last time we, we did this. High school gym. Physical education. Of, yeah, physical mm-hmm. education mm-hmm. having to change in front of other teenage boys. A very <laughs> awkward experience. And I remember mm-hmm. Into Club playing all the time. Huh. I put it on a mix CD that I would listen to when I would drive the golf cart around our land for fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> two wow. pretty different experiences to that song. I'm just talking about my trauma with having to strip down to my skivvies in front of yeah. my peers. And yeah, <laughs> I was just zooming around the farm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, 50 Cent was huge. I mean, that sort of, there were a lot of huge things, Yeah, which we'll get to, but I mean, that had to be... As yeah. far as like impact and mm-hmm. just like, I don't know how the, how much it was listened to in our age group that had to be like top oh, three yeah. of the year oh, yeah. and beyond. It was massive. Yeah. Um, some others. Defined hip hop. Oh, it, it was a turning a point. Yeah. It was a turning point for sure. Um, okay. So I'm going to just run down. Um, a Perfect Circle, 13 Step, AFI, Sing the Sorrow, Beyonce, Dangerously in Love, mm. Blink-182, Self-Title, Britney Spears in the Zone. Um, Death Cab for Cutie, Transatlanticism, Evanescence, Fallen, Fallout Boy, Take This to Your Grave, Finger Eleven, Hillary Duff, Metamorphosis. The Finger Eleven is the one that had the uh, one thing, right? Uh, it was a self-titled. But I, I think that was the album. That Probably. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, that sounds like the right time. I thought that song was Limp Biscuit for a long time until oh, Paralyze. I mean, yeah. The One Thing song is pretty similar to like their cover of behind blue eyes i guess and it's both just like white men which i think so. that was 2003 too oh the biscuit behind wow yeah hoobastank <laughs> the reason also that i mean i don't know for sure on the charts but like the reason had to also have been oh, one of big. the biggest song of the years just that ding 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 oh, ding, yeah. ding 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 i associate the reason with 2004 mm. i don't know when in 2003 it came out oh I can tell you. Oh, December. December 9th. So, it, yeah, it would have bled into 2004. Yeah, my, I had a math teacher in <sighs> freshman year, and mm-hmm. then I think in junior year again, I had, I had him again. And he, he was very into whatever was new, and the reason he listened to that song. Oh, like, wow. We heard it every day in class. He listened to that, like Collective Soul. Uh-huh. Um, also, like The Doors, uh-huh. like Coldplay, like stuff like that. But the wow. reason every uh-huh. day we were listening to that song. My geometry teacher played music, but it was usually Hootie and the Blowfish. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Jet, Get Born. So, oh, yeah, that was big. Um, what was that one song? What was the one song? Um, well, they had Are You Gonna Be My Girl. That one, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Cold Hard Bitch. But my favorite is, of course, Look What You've Done. Yeah. That and song. all three of those were huge. Yeah. People people like to like dump on Jet nowadays, <clears throat> but really like... I don't know of enough about them to know if they were like arrogant people when they were mm-hmm. big or if it's just like 
people like to kind of have a scapegoat. Yeah. And I don't know if Jet was just kind of that band. Are they Australian? Yes. That's pretty cool. But yeah, like that that kind of coinciding with me learning guitar yeah. and then being like, they were kind of one of those bands that people pointed to as like, <laughs> rock and roll's coming back. Here's Jet, you know? Yeah. It's like, this sounds like the new ACDC meets whatever. Way better like than are, ACDC. Oh, yeah. yeah. I haven't listened to any more Jet than those three songs. I feel like I, I should because I... I'm I'm cool with those two, um, but I really like Look What You've Done. Yeah. Is that the song. one, the music video that has the little animated critters in it? Yes. Oh, so cool. Yeah. Um, let's see. Kelly Clarkson, Thankful, her debut album after yeah. winning uh, the first season of American Idol, of course. Yeah. Um, Justin Guarini, I believe, also had yes. his, if her album come out. Um, I think Ruben also. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, because he had that song "Sorry for 2004" that came out in 2003. It's like he was apologizing for 2003, but in the song he's saying, "I'm sorry for 2004." He's just getting a head start. And it's like I I know I did big big mess up in 2003, and I'm just <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you I'm already sorry about 2004 because I'm not gonna do better. <laughs> did that did that uh, predict "Sorry for Party Rocking"? Oh my god. <laughs> I did he have did. a hand in party rocking? Maybe. Yeah, I was totally going to say something. In a- <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> no, that's... Um, an early Kings of Leon album. I don't know that we, we as a culture, were aware of Kings of Leon. I certainly wasn't. I wasn't. It, there's songs that I know now, like yeah. Molly's Chambers was on that album. Who? What did you say? <laughs> the Molly? Molly's Chamber. Yeah, that song. I don't know that song. Um I know the bucket song. I know yeah. the sex song. Yeah, that was. Um, that's it. <laughs> um, the you somebody. Oh, which yeah, that, that and was sex it. on fire. That was yeah. That was way later. My bad. But that was. I didn't know about Kings of Leon until the MySpace days, mm-hmm. like oh five, oh six. Oh my god, I didn't even make the MySpace connection. MySpace had such an impact on music. Yes. Yeah. That makes so much sense. It's like how I was trying to think like, okay, I know like Fuse had a hand in like getting more aware of different kinds of music that I yes. won't hear locally. MySpace was also it. Yeah. Yeah. Genius. Led Zeppelin <laughs> had How the West Was One come out. Yes, which I'll have to. I know should I will. talk about it now? Um, let me get through the rest of the okay. list. Um, Limp Biscuit <laughs> results may vary. Lilix, who I will talk about more. I don't have a clip for, but well, you know. Yeah. Mandy Moore had covered her cover album. It's pretty good. It is good. Uh, cover of Help Me on there. Yes. The Joni Mitchell song. Yeah. Very good. Also, The Hole of the Moon. Which, that song just, I, I don't know if anyone can do a bad one. Her version's great. Yeah. The Fiona Apple version, of course, is like yeah. life-changing. But So a few years ago, I, <laughs> I listened to the entire Mandy Moore discography mm-hmm. as it was at God the time. Bless. This was like, this was in the midst of her having a long break from music. Mm-hmm. She's released a couple more albums since then. But I think at the time, her most recent album was like 2010. And I, I felt like coverage was like the transition from her pop Mm-hmm. like teen pop days into the more of a singer songwriter type yeah, yeah which is like there's some really good stuff in there that's worth listening to but yeah the amanda lee album is still not on streaming services it's a very good album when she was on mark maron's podcast i'm pretty sure he brought it up and we yeah. got no answers anyway a, yeah excellent album <laughs> uh lincoln park meteora huge oh huge. that's yeah that was another like when i was mentioning bands sorry it i keep permeated. stepping over you <laughs> when i was saying system of a down slipknot those bands lincoln park had to be 
top two or three biggest oh, yeah. bands in oh, school. Yeah. They were massive. Yeah, yeah. Even even for me. Yeah. Um, Metallica, Saint Anger. Did the album come out before or after the, the Some Kind of Monster documentary? You know what? I'm going to look that up right now. Do you think it was simultaneous? I I feel like I heard at some point. Part of me is like. If they were smart, they would have put the documentary out first to get the hype up, but maybe people would have known it wasn't going to be very good, and so it would have blown it. So St. Anger came out June 5th, 2003. Uh Uh Metallica, Some Kind of Monster. January was when it premiered at Sundance, Mm -hmm. but I think the worldwide release looks like it was in July, so a month after the album. Okay, okay. That album, that was one I remember coming out because obviously Metallica, another... Huge band. And then the backlash <laughs> yeah. when it came out because mm-hmm. it was not very good. Yeah. Uh, and I distinctly remember, again, going on internet forums. That was kind of my, a lot of the people I conversed with back then. And when that album came out, like I very much remember seeing, like I, obviously I knew who Metallica were, mm-hmm. but I wasn't invested in what they were doing. But I remember seeing people like, some people saying that kind of thing that, Anytime a band releases an album where people are like, some people try and like connect it to old stuff, like, oh yeah, it sounds kind of like the Black Album, <laughs> even though it obviously doesn't. Like people always do that thing, you know? And then other people were saying, I don't know, it's weird. I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, I wasn't very in tune with Metallica culture at the time. <laughs> I have since seen the documentary and it is so funny. Yeah, that's. They paid that man so much money for fucking nothing. <laughs> that's. That's a whole thing. That's that's an episode oh, in and of itself. I mean, there's a million people on the internet who have dissected yeah. Saint Anger, so we don't need to no. pile on that. I don't think we should. <laughs> um, Muse, Absolution, oh, MXPX, wow. Before that. Everything and After, um, Nick Cannon, Self-Titled, Nick mm. Cave had an album, Nickelback, The Long Road, Outcast, Speaker Box, Love Below, Puddle of Mud, Radiohead, Hail the Thief, Shine Down, Leave a Whisper, Smile Empty Soul, mm. Self-Titled. Stained 14 Shades of Grey, <laughs> Sugar Ray, and The Pursuit of Leisure, which is an excellent album title. I have no that idea is. what songs are on that, but that, wowie. That has uh, Is She Really Going Out With Him? Excellent. Which is interesting to think Sugar Ray was still doing stuff in... 2003. In 03. Mm-hmm. Switchfoot, The Beautiful Letdown, that was a big album. Self-titled first album, All-American Rejects. Mm, yeah. The Ataris. So long Astoria that had the cover of Boys of Summer on it. Yeah, I remember that being pretty big. Black Eyed Peas, Ella Funk. I believe that had Where's the Love on it. That okay. was a pretty big song. Yeah. Um, the Darkness, Permission to Land. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> the Postal Service, The Strokes, White Stripes, Three Days Grace. Toby Keith had Shocking Y'all Out. Is that a, a classic? American Soldier. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Typo negative, life is killing me. Um, the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, their first album, I believe it is. Yellow Card, Ocean Avenue, and last but not least, Zwan. <laughs> so that's just a, a mixed bag taste of some of some of what came out in two thousand three. Um, but we're gonna get into what well what we are actually listening to again. I listen to a lot more of these in real time. I don't know if you listened to any of them when they came out, but. I sure did. No, I mean, I think you have since. I have since. Um, I've listened. I have a whole list of yeah. stuff I've listened to since then. Yeah. Uh, I think I want to start with Beyonce. Okay. Alphabetically, it works, and also it was just a big moment in the culture. Yeah. Destiny's Child had 
for all we knew, split. I think they might have put something out after this. I'm yeah. not sure. I could look it up, but I won't. Yeah. <laughs> but for, but basically, Destiny's Child was done, and Beyonce was going solo, and this was her debut album, Dangerously in Love. Interestingly, that title comes from the song, which she also recorded with Destiny's Child. And yeah. I would say that one's better. Because on the Beyonce version, she's just harmonizing with herself, obviously. But on Destiny's Child, you have the full mix and it sounds great. I didn't realize this until until I was listening to the album the other day. Mm-hmm. And I thought, why is this say Dangerously in Love 2 yeah. on, the, on the track list? And then I was researching some more and yeah, and then it's a whole thing I didn't have enough time to like fully research. Mm-hmm. But that was what I picked up from my minimal yeah. research. <laughs> The I believe the first single was Crazy in Love. Excellent song. Uh, such like that's one of those songs that you would put on the playlist of like I feel like I can bust through a wall like with this song. It's the same vibe as Man I Feel Like a Woman, the opening. Mm-hmm. It's just like the same. It's like let's party. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to I have to confess it seems like you're going to say more. Oh, so I'm sorry. Oh, I have so much more to say about that song. <laughs> I I have to confess that yes. I hadn't heard anything from that album until probably we were going out. That's even, fine. Even Crazy in Love. I don't think I knew that song until we were together. Mm. But yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm going to be saying this, but okay. I, I distinctly remember that album cover. Why wouldn't you? Oh, no. I was going to talk about the music that's, video. Uh, yeah. Because I watched... Bonk territory, <laughs> I watched... but I definitely... I was 14. Give me a break. Yeah. No, they did a making the video of that video. So I remember watching all of that and then Mm -hmm. the music video. And if you don't remember, Beyonce is hot and she is just like dancing around. I think there's a scene with like a fire hydrant exploding. So she's like getting wet and it's just like, this is too much for me. I'm 13. I don't understand like... Because at the time you're like, oh, I'm supposed to just like want to look like her and you don't understand Mm -hmm. like... That it's okay to think that like a woman is hot, Mm -hmm. just like regardless of Mm -hmm. where you fall on the spectrum of sexuality. (laughs) It was very confusing time. Yeah. Um, I think Beyonce was like nineteen then or something. Really? She was pretty young. I guess that makes sense because she's only just like just turned forty. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You don't think about that. I don't think about that because Destiny's Child has been. Oh, yeah. Like they got big mm-hmm. mid 90s, whatever it was. Yeah. But I mean, they were children at the time. Mm-hmm. It's just, but you wouldn't have known. Yeah. They looked like but grown ladies. Think about it, yeah. She's less than 10 years older than us. Strange. Yeah. I also remember really trying to figure, like, I under, with the context, I kind of got it. But the lyric, you got me sprung and I don't care who sees, I'm like, okay, I, I get that it's sexual, but like, what <laughs> does it mean? <laughs> Honestly, I'm not sure I know. Right. Because <laughs> it's a girl saying it. Yeah. It's like, is it nipples? That's so cool. I don't know. <laughs> Great song. Uh, yeah. That also has me, myself, and I, I think. Which, right? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know that song until how many years ago? It's within the last Yeah, decade. I remember you bringing it up at some point. I think you played like, it for me. Love it. Yeah. It's one of those phases we go through where it's like, hey, let's make a playlist of what we listened to mm-hmm. when we were kids. Basically what we're doing now. Yeah. And you put on that song and immediately I was like, what? <laughs> Which that yeah. song's great. Um, there's some like non-single songs on that album. I have good. to talk about the song Signs. Oh. That song <laughs> yeah, is yeah. crazy. Where the chorus is just <laughs> listing all the... yeah. So the zodiac signs. I'm not like a big zodiac head. I think it's like fun. 
I don't fully buy into it. Or I don't like, you know, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. I'm not like, I'm not a, a Zodiac lady. I'm not a, I'm not out like telling people about their moons and their suns and yeah. their risings and the houses. Yeah. I've dabbled, but I'm casual. But if you are going to record a song called Signs and it's all about every Zodiac sign. So one of the lyrics is from Capricorn to Aquarius. Those signs are right next to each other in the Zodiac chart. So the first sign in the Zodiac is Aries. And then at the very end, I think, so it'll be Aquarius, Pisces. Pisces is the last sign. Mm -hmm. Aquarius. Yeah. So Capricorn is like December. Aquarius is January. Pisces is March. February to March. Mm -hmm. So she's saying from Capricorn to Aquarius. <laughs> They are just right next to each other. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming it's because you think January to December or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Again, I wouldn't pass judgment if this wasn't an entire song about the signs and specifying qualities in them. It's like you should know better. Right. Beyonce. Also, the chorus is just listing them all, all of them. in order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, <laughs> I have to give credit to someone who's going to attempt to say the word cancer yeah. in, a, in yeah. a sexy way. <laughs> <laughs> that song's pretty hard to like it's corny yeah that's that was the low point of the album <laughs> even like it really made me laugh yeah, even that, listening back to it to like get my thoughts yeah it really made me laugh that one was the most dated <laughs> i like the part where she says like i wish he was was a virgo the same <laughs> sign as me yeah. <laughs> it's like hmm. yeah what great lyrics poor <laughs> yeah that album's got some high highs and low lows but yes. it was a great what a what a first album what an introduction yeah <sighs> pretty good yeah uh, that song like that daddy song is a little uncomfortable to listen to yeah but... it's like i i appreciate the sentiment but it yeah i don't love it yeah i can't it's yeah. uncomfortable yeah but beyonce what a what a moment in the, the culture song big boy on that album oh yeah i forgot to even talk about that one that yeah. song is really good it's, it's like just getting me heated when i was at work not safe for work yeah 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 He's talking about sugar walls. And talk, talk about things I don't understand as a 13-year-old. Sugar walls? I'm like, what a fun house that must be. <laughs> yep. Let's pivot. Let's talk about Blink-182. I say pivot genre-wise. Alphabetically, they are right next to each other. Yes. Blink-182 self-titled album. I asked for this CD for Christmas. Um, it might have been the following year, probably. So I owned this on compact disc. My grandmother bought it for me. Which one? My Mima. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she absolutely just got a list from my mom, but oh, yeah. <clears throat> it was pretty I was pretty excited about it. I skimmed through it just to see cuz I haven't listened to it in a very long time. And you never know what's going to hold up. I skimmed through it. Ultimately Blink-182 is not for me. Anything, I'm like, this could be tolerable. It's just not. Yeah. <laughs> I can't with the vocals. The infamous I Miss You meme now. Like, <laughs> you know you know the song. And specifically Tom DeLonge's part of it. Um, and we, we, we watched this video before we recorded. But uh, Whitmer Thomas is the comedian that, as far as I know, kind of came up with it. Because it was pro at least five years ago that I heard that bit about the song 
Um, so look that up. Whitmer Thomas. I miss you. You'll get a kick out of it. But it's a meme now because it's, you know. My, I'm so sorry. Just yesterday, as of the date that we're recording yeah. this, just yesterday, my former supervisor at work was changing offices. <laughs> so he kind of changed to more casual clothes so he could move stuff around. And he was wearing a shirt with that worded like that way. phonetically, phonetically like, worded that where way. Where are you? And I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. there's the whole thing on a t-shirt that yeah. I assume someone probably like his wife or someone bought for him. And I wasn't at my desk, and I came back, and he was just standing there wearing it, and people were laughing. <laughs> and I laughed out loud, yeah. and someone asked him like, "What does that even mean?" And he was saying like, "Oh, that's just like my favorite band." <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite band, and he was explaining like the whole thing about that's how Tom DeLonge yeah. sings "I Miss You." Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> It's also weird to think about Blink-182, like that shift, because their album before that, I think, is the one with the lady on it, yeah. right? So Enema of the State. Yeah. And so they went from parodying boy band videos mm-hmm. to f- full-on vampires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was it's a, strange. Um, I don't know if you had this experience, but I, I rode the bus. Um, I did not ride the bus. From like home from school. My mom would give me a ride in the morning, but I would take the bus home in Mm -hmm. the afternoon. And I learned, I also learned about some music like in the back of the bus, as it were. Like there would be, you know, where the. That's why I didn't ride the bus. The alternative kids sat. (sighs) And I, there's just, I have a lot of memories of like, that's how I learned about ICP. Oh my God. This was going back like 2000 when Mm -hmm. I learned about ICP, but there was a kid who like introduced me to them like their music um manson Marilyn manson mm-hmm. um disturbed uh blink 182 was one of those bands where this kid i don't remember who it was but one of the bus kids one of the alternative bus kids he's like <laughs> hey check this out and he like you would expect it to be like a joint or something but Porn. instead he pulls out like um blink 182 enema of the state and it's like the <laughs> the sexy lady the, like the porn star nurse yeah like putting on the glove, mm-hmm. you know, all suggestive. And I remember like, it was kind of like the Beyonce video mm-hmm. where it's like, I don't know what this is suggesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I don't know what an enema is. I don't know. Like, I understand like the cleavage. I, I know, mm-hmm. I know what I that means. That. But like the glove and like the look, I don't really know what this yeah. is suggesting, but I know it's probably something. It's confusing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a lot for and a kid I to understand. I didn't know what their music sounded like. He just showed me the CD cover and I was like, okay. And I do remember watching the All the Small Things video mm-hmm. where they're naked, Yeah, I think. And I, I didn't care for it. Yeah, that's <laughs> they're not fair. my thing. Yeah, I, I don't even know if I knew them beyond their singles that had been out. Uh, at the time, my method of like finding music was I'll just get their most recent album and that'll, Mm -hmm. that'll, that'll get me where I need to go, which now it's like, that's absolutely not what I do. If I'm trying to listen to something for the first time, I'm like, let me go back and start in order. Mm -hmm. But it's just, you just do it. It's like you look through your alternative press magazine and you say, Oh, new album out. I better put it on my list. (laughs) Um, There is one song on that album that I kind of like. For some reason, Robert Smith from The Cure did a song on that album um, called uh, All of This, and it's pretty good. With all of this, I feel now everything inside of my heart. It all just seems to be how nothing I feel pulls me at all. Again. I wait. 
probably think it's pretty good just because I like The Cure and I like Robert Smith and it's 90% Robert Smith singing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, the cor- the chorus of the song is Tom DeLong, so that takes it down a few points. But I also, the chorus is just Use Me Holly and I'm like, who is Holly? I still don't know. But, um, you know, as far as that album goes, that's the song <laughs> for me. I don't. I know very little about Blink One Eighty Two, mm-hmm. and I also like The Cure, but I don't know enough to know like how did that connection happen. Do you From know? what I read, they just asked, and he was like, "Okay, okay." <laughs> I cool. mean, he's a pretty weird dude. Yeah, that's. True. I think he liked that it didn't make sense to happen because mm-hmm. he's weird, mm-hmm. and I think it. I think he just did it. Okay. So, and at the time, The Cure hadn't had an album out since I think two thousand because. Their next album wouldn't be out until 2004. Yeah. Again, I was like, oh, so I like this song on this Blink-182 album. Who, who's Robert Smith? Mm-hmm. And so I'd figure out who Robert Smith was. Okay. And then I was like, oh, okay. I'll just buy their most recent album. So the first Cure album I heard was that um, End of the World album, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, That's which I very still, interesting. I still like. So yeah. yeah, I would have to work backwards. And then hear like love song. I'm like, ah, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, luckily, luckily, The Cure are one of those bands that don't really have like a turd of an album. Mm-hmm. You just have to know what you're getting into a little bit because they, yeah, I'm, they have their you know the stretch of 80s to early 90s albums that's like they're considered their best. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like they're one of those bands that has like, oh, you don't listen to anything after mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Or like, you don't listen to this album because it's terrible. It's like, yeah, they're all, there's like the great albums. There's the really good albums. Mm-hmm. And then these are, these are still fine. Yeah. So yeah, that's my experience with Blink-182. I dabbled a bit. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I do remember listening to it and like wishing I liked it more because that was like, that was just like the vibe I was trying. Like it was kind of there, but not some i was like i want to be punk rock and i guess this is it <laughs> and when i didn't really like that album that much i was like oh, i don't know what to do yeah so then i moved on to um well okay so like good charlotte was like the catalyst of mm-hmm. it all don't cut for me i don't care yeah i i'm aware i'm self-aware about this but which obviously is a lot poppier than a blink 182 mm-hmm honestly they're pretty i mean boys and girls to um all the small things like are they really that different no but for like but blink 182 is cool and good charlotte isn't so i i mean i don't i personally don't understand it i yeah Um, were you into green day by this point not yet i think it was maybe oh three or oh four when i got introduced kind of to green Mm -hmm. day's music and that's kind of odd looking back because it was through international super hits oh interesting and it, they were you know they'd been around for a while yeah. like the i mean since the 80s mm-hmm. i guess but like dookie was 94 so mm-hmm. that was already a, close to a decade old yeah. and i remember like kind of having the feeling that like oh green day is like a band a little bit of the past mm-hmm. but we were only a year from american idiot which mm-hmm. is like their biggest success yeah. so it's it was a very like small window that i got into them thinking that they were you know they kind of like paved the way a little yeah. bit for like the Blink One Eighty Twos and the Good Charlottes, mm-hmm. but they were they were a year off from having just huge success. Yeah, I mean, I found a lot of music just because of honestly, like being 
concerningly obsessed with Good Charlotte. <laughs> I read every interview so then they would mention who they were influenced by. That's how I found new music. So they would say like Green Day and I'm like, oh, okay, let me get their most recent album, Warning. <laughs> and yeah. I would work backwards. Yeah. Is that why you um, like Warning so much? Probably, yeah. Um, and then even like Nirvana. That's how I got into Nirvana, which opened the doors to what music I like now. Yeah. But it was all really through that. So one of the bands I found through Good Charlotte is MXPX. I don't know that I I don't really listen to them for enjoyment anymore. There are some songs that like they're fun. It's just not quite what I'm about anymore. But at the time I was like, cool. This is it. This is this is real punk rock. I had no idea that they were like kind of Christian. They were on a like a Christian label. <laughs> I didn't really know that. I was just out here doing my best. So again, I was I was like, I'll get their most recent album, which is the Before Everything and After, which compared to their back catalog is a lot more like mainstream pop mm-hmm. rock than just like their earlier stuff, which is pretty punk. I mean, it, it, I don't know why. Like, I don't think they had any songs about God. I think they were just not... Um, the misfits i don't know (laughs) 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 they're they're an interesting band they were just on tooth and nail which was the like punk pop christian album Mm, like label um recognize that name yeah that's another way i would find music i would just figure out ways of finding other i would just like go to label websites and they would list their other artists i'm pretty sure that's where like halo friendlies were on tooth and nail oh okay yeah <laughs> it was really hard to find music back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for real. But uh the MXPX Before album, algorithms. Yeah. Oh, the MXPX album also had a feature uh from Good Charlotte. Like one of the Good Charlotte guys was on oh, yeah, the I, album on a couple songs. Told me this, yeah. You wouldn't know unless you were me listening for it. But I think Oh, they were also on Fuse a bit, I'm pretty sure, because I remember the music video for um Everything sucks. That song for me now is still very fun. I I like to listen to it and have a good time. I I I'm fully aware of what they are. I think some of their older songs hold up a bit better. Um I don't know. I I did I I liked what I liked. I did see them live as eventually, maybe a year or two later. Oh wow. I had the best time when they played, but they were playing with Reliant K and I hated it. <laughs> Reliant K also had an album out in 2003. Yeah, I did. I was not into Reliant K for the record. I liked MXPX a lot. They're one of my favorite bands. I did not like Reliant K, but I wanted to see MXPX. So I went to the Shrine, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I had. I was like, this is it. I'm, I'm going to get in the pit. And then I'm like, I actually, I don't like crowds. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I know I've made you listen to some MXPX over the I, years. I knew that song yeah. because of you. Yeah, Slowly Going the Way of the Buffalo, I think, is probably like their their classic album. Okay. 
don't know. If you're just in the mood to like bop around, <laughs> they're they're not going very deep. <laughs> I mean, maybe they do now. I don't know. I haven't kept up with them, which is interesting. <laughs> Are they still still doing their things. Probably out records. Probably, yeah. That's kind of what I was into. I um I was kind of listening to Britney Spears a bit. So in the zone had toxic, obviously massive. Yeah. So it it was a crossover time because back then you couldn't like Britney Spears and want to be punk rock. You couldn't do both. We weren't allowing it. So I was coming off of like Britney Spears and Christine Aguilera and Kelly Clarkson. Even though I was like, maybe she, maybe she's a crossover because she's got really chunky highlights. She's got like red chunky highlights. <laughs> and I'm like, that's rock and roll. Yeah. But yeah, you couldn't like both. So I had to, I had to disavow pop music for a while. Yeah. And, I mean, but, red highlights were in an Avril Lavigne world at this point. So. Yeah. Avril Lavigne was cool until like the goth girls let me know that she wasn't and i was like mm. oh, okay I, this poser. this still isn't okay got it <laughs> it was just really it was kind of hard because like i wanted to be cool and rock and roll yeah but i was but i wasn't cool enough i was too preppy so i had to get rid of, i had to get rid of all my pop music i had to burn it <laughs> but that britney spears album's really good um toxic obviously i really like the song every every time that song it breaks my heart mm-hmm. <sighs> And then uh, Shadow, that song. Shadow's good. Man, good album. Foreshadowing, but when it comes to my picks, we might be revisiting some some Britney. You have Britney? I have some Britney. What do you want to say about Britney? Um, we can keep going through no, your picks okay. if you No, it's okay. Go want. ahead. Well, uh, I don't know if this throws off your I don't your think flow. you were listening to Britney Spears in 2003. No, not intentionally. <laughs> um, I unfortunately was the kind of kid that was, you know, music sucks nowadays. Yeah. Again, it was all classic rock. And I was listening minimally at this point to early 90s grunge, but it was almost entirely classic rock. Yeah. Uh, so Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Beatles. Wow, um, that's crazy. Yeah, it was just, <laughs> you know, those, those kinds of things. I was that guy. I was like years kid, away. <laughs> the kid in school who was like, you know, Britney Spears is cool now, but does she has, have the lasting impact of Dark Side of the she Moon? She doesn't write her own songs. Yeah, I was that guy. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, obviously yeah, toxic was big. Like I, again, I remember being in health class mm-hmm. freshman year. So 2003 into 2004 and there was a radio and our teacher was younger and cooler, probably mm-hmm. in twenties, I guess. So she would put on 96.5 mm-hmm. and toxic was playing. You would hear all it. the time. Yeah. You would hear it like two times mm-hmm. in class cause it was an hour long class and they played it every mm-hmm. half hour. At Top least. of the hour. Yeah. So I heard that song and even then. It was one of those things I didn't want to admit to myself. Yeah, like this kind of goes. Yeah, it's like it's got guitar. It's got yeah. like the weird Middle Eastern yeah. sounding thing. That whole album kind of does, right? An, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I didn't listen to I didn't listen to it. You know, I didn't seek it out when I went home. Like, oh, I got to hear more of, of that. It was just when it came on, I there was a part of me that, that knew, I don't hate this. Mm-hmm. Um, many years later, I <laughs> I attempted to make a doom metal cover oh, of Toxic. Yeah. This is getting into like two. Is that the clip you're gonna play? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I still have that the tracks for that somewhere. But yeah, around 2010, 2011, I rediscovered that song and some of her like "I'm I'm a slave for you," like those kind of songs where she's doing that thing. Everything good? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't know if it cut out or anything. Yeah. Um, and by that point, I was comfortable enough to say, "This is great." Yeah, I really like this. So I wanted to hear more of 
her like if she had any more songs in the vein of toxic i'm a slave for you that kind of thing uh-huh and i listened to the album in the zone that toxic is from 2003 the album's great uh yeah you mentioned toxic and every time probably the other maybe more moderate hit from that album was the one she did with madonna oh yeah Me against the music yeah. kind of following up with the infamous kiss the smooch the whole, yeah uh honestly the rest of the album is great mm-hmm. there's some great deep tracks on there again stuff i was not aware of at all in 2000, 2003 right. it was a decade plus later you mentioned shadow that's uh-huh. a great song yeah. touch of my hand oh bonk Ooga. <laughs> uh showdown the one probably my my personal favorite from the album is uh breathe on me The album in general, but especially that song, it builds off of kind of what she was known for, which is the breathy, like, vocal fry. But it's like, this is really like going out on a limb. It'll be funny to say, but like, I mean, really kind of using it more artistically mm-hmm. instead yeah. of like, you know, like on her first couple of albums where it's just kind of a thing that she's doing. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. But. I mean, they're really incorporating it musically in the song. Yeah. In a way. She's like, owning it. Yeah, that and uh, Showdown, Early Morning, like there's other songs mm-hmm. that she does on that album. I love that album. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I know the, is it Blackout was the one after yeah. that that people like point to. That's like the critical album. Yeah, I've listened to that album. I do like that one too. Yeah. I think I like In the Zone more. I agree. But those, I mm-hmm. I do go through phases like maybe once a year where I, I just want to hear like, those two albums plus slave for you mm-hmm. so i'll just like listen to all that a few times in a mm-hmm. row and get it out of my system <laughs> excellent and also that's i guess for context that's coming off like kind of following christina doing stripped the year before oh my god so they're both that kind album. of coming out of the mm-hmm. they're like max martin mm-hmm. kind of teen pop eras and stripped is also excellent yeah we'll talk about that someday someday yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a complicated relationship starting in 2003 with pop music. Um, Because, I mean, it's meant to be like, you're supposed to like it. That's why they make it. (laughs) It is to be consumed and liked. But it's not cool. So you can't. You don't want to be a poser. Right. Yes. I know for me, again, hearing when I would hear Toxic on the radio in class, I knew there was a part of me deep down that's like, oh, this is. I prefer this over corn. <laughs> corn. Well, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking like not a girl, not yet a woman, oh. which even now it's like, oh, that song's fine too. Oh my God. That song is so it's good. Fine. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it, but it's just like being a 14 year old boy. 
especially back then. Yeah, it's you not couldn't. something you're allowed to. No, like. no, no. Boys were not allowed to. It was. It's like she's hot. Yeah, you were supposed like to the, think she was hot, but you did not like her music. Right, right. Yeah, you weren't supposed to like think of her in any way other than that. So that was just what I thought. Like, even though deep down it's like, oh, there's you know elements to the to this that are good. It's like, no, you're only supposed to. You're a 14 year old like white kid in the midwest like white boy in the midwest mm-hmm. so you're only allowed to listen to godsmack yeah Lent kind of, yeah that's like the unspoken rule in the mm-hmm. early 2000s like i can tell i going back and like trying to remember what i was listening to i knew i was really try i really gravitated towards like women singing mm-hmm. and making music like i wanted it but i would but like pop music wasn't okay but there weren't a lot of women in rock music, really. There was Avril Lavigne, and then we learned like that wasn't cool either. Like that didn't count. <laughs> so, um, oh, this the this topic kind of came up because I unintentionally made a playlist of songs that I kind of associated together. For some reason, I got the song "More to Life" by Stacy Arico in my head one day. Like, I hadn't thought about that song in forever. Also, I, for some reason, even before I had my, like, church phase, I was somehow, <laughs> like, dabbling in Christian music. I don't know. It was strange. Because I, I was a couple years away from going to church for a bit. Mm-hmm. But Stacey Rico was a Christian artist. MXPX kind of was. Um, anyway, but I got that song stuck in my head. And that kind of triggered me thinking about all these other songs. And I made, like, a playlist of six songs and we were going through them and found out they all came out in 2003. Yeah. <laughs> it was very strange. It makes sense because I was listening to them all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just unintentionally did it. Um, one of them was Lilix, which was like a girl band, a Canadian girl band that was put together. They had the song, um, It's About Time. Yeah. <laughs> I just sing it in my head. They were on the Freaky Friday soundtrack. They did the What I Like About You cover. Yes, that um, was how I... Yeah, that soundtrack kind of did a lot, too, because Halo Friendlies were on there. Um, Maybe that's how I found Halo Friendlies. That would make sense. I don't remember if I knew Halo Friendlies before the Freaky Friday soundtrack or not, but they did Me Versus the World. (sighs) It's a very, that's a very good song. um, I should have, I should prepare a clip of that, but that's okay. Yeah, it was a complicated time trying to like what you like. You you just couldn't when you, when you're a teenager. You can't just like what you want to like. Maybe you can now. I hope so. I don't hopefully. know if the the youth seem more open. Hopefully about things. Yeah. But back then it was either you were you were a prep a jock or a, a, goth. a goth, and yeah. I wasn't really any of them. Yeah. Um. I think I definitely wasn't any of them. I think I think when it kind kind of came time to like choose a side <laughs> it's a really dramatic way to put you it. had to choose yeah you had you to choose a shark or a jet and i think i just were sort of Soch? what was the other one <laughs> <laughs> like i know for me it was probably more i was not a goth kid but that mm-hmm. was probably the the group that i aligned the most yeah. with yeah i i was dabbling i mentioned kelly clarkson she was kind of the in-between because I don't know. I don't know if she just like was a hangover from liking pop music or if she just like had a guitar in her song. I'm like, this is it. (laughs) I was really (laughs) trying to figure it out. But um, her first album, I listened to it kind of recently. Obviously, we have Miss Independent. That's a that's a that's a great song. 
Yeah, excellent riff. What a good song. Yeah. Uh, it ha- I think it has her American Idol song on there, a moment like this. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't think they knew. I, I'll, I'll be, um, hot take. I don't think the world has known what to do with Kelly Clarkson. Like, yeah. I don't think she's been utilized in, in, in the way she should have been. Because mm-hmm. she's a great singer. Mm-hmm. I... I would like to know what Kelly Clarkson wants to do. Like, what music does Kelly Clark? Has she made the music she's wanted to make? I don't know. Um, excellent topic. I don't know because she's on her show. She's been doing those covers, and she like does like all kinds of covers, and they're really good. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what do you want to do, Kelly Clarkson? Who do you want to be? And that's really the same question I was asking myself when her first album came out in two thousand three. Who do I want to be? I really liked the song "Low." <laughs> <laughs> a good segue it's cool you didn't want me sometimes you can't go back why'd you have to go and make a mess like that well i just have to say before i let go That song kind of rocks. Yeah, yeah, she know. she does rock music well, like Miss Independent. You mentioned, yeah, it's a rock song basically. You know what's interesting that I just thought of? We mentioned Jessica Simpson at the beginning because yes. of the infamous chicken or fish moment, but she, um, that's when the Newlywed Show came out. Mm. Um, so during that show, she was making an album, and I remember watching it, <laughs> and there being a part. I think she was. It was maybe when she was doing that cover of the the Ber- the Berlin song, "Take My Breath Away." Yes, yeah. yeah. I remember a moment where she's talking to like the record executives or whatever, and they told her that they can't let her sing to her fullest potential because people have to be able to sing along. Like she sang too well, yeah. and they wouldn't let her like do all that she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So that was like, that's what was out there, <laughs> which yeah. is crazy because like. Whitney Houston, Celine Dion. Yeah. Like, no one can sing along to those, nor should you. But, yeah, that that's what they were telling them. So... Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, like, like Jessica Simpson, I... I honestly, I haven't checked back in. Mm-hmm. I think she has a good voice. <laughs> I don't know. There's that catatonic youth video where she's going wild with Jewel. So it's like, I yeah. might need and to... And the other one with Ozzy. <laughs> Might need to do it, a re-listen on some Jessica Simpson. But I feel like she was kind of in that category, like approaching like Christina Aguilera of like she's actually talented. You know, people would sort of use that like backhanded compliment, Mm -hmm. which is what Kelly Clarkson got too. Um, That's the thread that I was trying to tie there. But yeah, I was definitely like listening Kelly Clarkson for a bit. Um, Fifi Dobson, I don't remember how I found her. I did re-listen to that album this week. It's pretty wild. Um, I respect what she was doing in 2003. Mm-hmm. Again, a Canadian. Canadians were out there doing wild stuff mm-hmm. in the early 2000s because they didn't have the war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, had, they were able to to branch out a bit. Um, I would I would dive more into Fifi Dobson's discography, I think. Okay. It was, it's an interesting album. I don't know that I like it as a 30-something Mm-hmm. But I don't think I was supposed to. She was 19. Right. But like musically, what she was doing was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
um, Michelle Branch I was listening to. Yes. Like I was really trying to find the line of like, I want to listen to music made by women, but it can't be Britney Spears because mm-hmm. that's not allowed. Michelle Branch has a guitar. Mm-hmm. She has dark. She has brown hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's okay. It was a very confusing time. Yeah. Yes. But... Oh, unclear ahead. like what you were and weren't supposed to listen to yeah and just like being a teenager it's like what kind of person am i gonna be i don't know i dabbled in like kelly osborne she that's when her album came out she had her cover of papa don't preach yeah and i was like okay i like kelly osborne i guess i don't know her she has pink hair yeah with yeah. her with her father mm-hmm. o- oswald <laughs> <laughs> oswald osborne. <laughs> oswald osborne um it was confusing but i started to feel understood when Evanescence entered my life, <laughs> that everything changed. I don't, I, I, I'm absolutely wrong, but there just wasn't, there just wasn't music like that out. Like, I, I really don't think there was. And, and some snarky guy is going to be like, you mean it sucks? <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it, because, so I, like around this time, I was I was really just like rooting around, listening to anything. I was like, and if couple is probably a couple years from here, but like Alanis Morissette and Garbage, which I maintain are good. I tried Kitty, and I was like, this is too much for me. Uh, I found Jack Off Jill. Like I f- I found what I was listening to, but I was really at the time just trying to find any music made by women that I liked because I was avoiding pop music, but. Um, I would come, I would get over it eventually, but <laughs> Evanescence really just checked all the boxes. This was definitely much later, 2003, that this found me. Was this a fuse discovery? I think it was just because Bring Me to Life was everywhere. Yeah. It was one of the top 40s that that we got, that everyone heard. Mm-hmm. It, it just broke, it broke barriers. Yeah. <laughs> sort of like, like Linkin Park was just so huge, it was unavoidable. Yeah, and there was definitely the uh, the Lincoln Park thing because of Bring Me to Life had the guy from Twelve Stones right yeah. in it, which yeah. like if you're a fan, you know they didn't want. Mm-hmm. Also, I've never forgiven Corn because they made a mean comment about it, saying like if I was Lincoln Park and I heard that, I'd be pissed off that they stole my sound and they just took it with a chick or something. They seem to have made up because they toured together and they seem to be friends, Corn and yeah. Amy Lee, but yeah. I don't forgive them. Corn yeah. also released an album in 2003. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Evanescence was also like a gateway to a lot of music. Like Good Charlotte introduced me to like pop punk, not in the way that people think of it now, but like the early 2000s way. Um, and Nirvana and to grunge and then evanescence gave me like bjork and portis head and stuff like that so there's there's like two little little tears from my music tree but man fallen that album i was just really sad <laughs> and it just really it really resonated with me i i also died at my that was really another confusing time where it's like i like this music i like her voice I also like the way she looks. What does that mean? And I don't know. I did dye my hair dark and have maintained it. So there's that. <laughs> I just I just really liked Amy Lee. Did you listen to Evanescence at the time? Were you aware? I, I mean, 
I definitely knew Bring Me to Life because, like you right. said, it was unavoidable. Mm-hmm. I knew My Immortal. Yeah. Because it was unavoidable. Mm-hmm. Like, My Immortal is one of those songs where it's almost, it's so ubiquitous that mm-hmm. it almost seems like one of those songs that's been around forever. Yeah. Like, I didn't even realize. I was, <laughs> I was so, like, outside of pop culture. <laughs> but no, I really wasn't paying that much attention. So I didn't even realize at the time this was a new hit. Mm-hmm. I thought this could be, like, 10 years old. And I kind of, it used to remind me of My Heart Will Go On, My oh, Immortal did. yeah, yeah. Just the way it builds up, a mm-hmm. little bit the melody, just like the mood of it. So I just kind of associate it with that. Like, I didn't, I didn't equate it with Bring Me to Life because I didn't know the album. Yeah. Like, the only other thing I knew, I knew those two songs and I knew the album cover because kids, mm-hmm. like our age back then, would put like, they'd cut out the covers mm-hmm. of CDs mm-hmm. and put it on their binders their, or whatever like their locker yeah, yeah and that's or yeah on their locker and that's just one of those yeah you would see like corn the one where the kid's playing like whatever, oh yeah hopscotch hopscotch yeah, yeah yeah you'd see that one you'd see mm-hmm. marilyn manson like all these you know the kind of mm-hmm. things we always saw limp biscuit mm-hmm. and then you would see fallen like the picture of amy lee yeah but I, I i knew that album cover and i think i knew bring me to life was by them but my mm-hmm. immortal sounded so different especially it, the yeah. non-band version mm-hmm. that it's like this could be Really, like being a teenager, it's like this could be Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. This could be That's Mariah true. Carey. This could be anybody. I don't know. Yeah, that I'm makes. Not, I'm really out of the loop. I didn't know at the mm-hmm. time. I mean, it makes sense that it, it resonated because I mean, my immortal is just like a piano ballad, mm-hmm. pop music. Yeah, if you hear the mm-hmm. band version, then it it makes more sense. Like mm-hmm. if you get to that point, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I wasn't paying that much attention. Yeah. I didn't know, like the other kind of two more moderate hits from the mm-hmm. album. I didn't know those until later. Um, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't until Call Me When You're Sober came out, oh. which is what, 2006 yeah. maybe. Um, th- I heard that song and that one really grabbed me. Mm-hmm. I was very into that. Mm-hmm. Um, which side notes, uh, going back to like kind of how I took in music around here, Q102 started in 2002. Oh, interesting. And that was a big thing here because right. that was kind of like the, the rock station. Yeah, they specialized in like new metal mm-hmm. and like yeah, the heavier sure post grunge. I remember moving here and being like, they sure do play a lot of Limp Biscuit," And you're like, yeah, they're kind of stuck in 2000. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was kind of the outlet for a lot of that stuff that mm-hmm. was like, if it was something that was heavier than, you know, like you mentioned stained being big, mm-hmm. like you could hear it's been a while on like top 40, which is weird to think. But if you wanted to hear like earlier new metal stained, they would play it on Q and or two. But yeah, like I'm sure they played Everybody's Fool and Going Under. I'm sure they played those on Q102. In fact, I know they did. Yeah. I just, I probably wasn't paying enough attention to take it in. Yeah. Bring Me to Life and My Immortal were on like MTV. I think Fuse did like a making, maybe MTV did it. I don't know. There was a making the video Going Under. I remember watching. Yeah. It was just like, it, it was just the answer to what what I had been looking for. There was, there, you know, there's like that problematic thing about it though. My mindset at the time, which was like, ah, Amy Lee, she's, she's what women should be because she doesn't flaunt her sexuality in the way Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera does. They're mm. bad because mm. they do that. Amy Lee doesn't. Mm. So she's good and they're bad. Mm-hmm. They're blonde. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now we know both are good. Right. Um, I'm and pretty of course, sure Amy Lee made some comments at the time that she also has come back and said like, yeah, I was young. I made stupid comments about yeah. other people that I shouldn't have made. Yeah. But I mean, 
I feel like that's a very easy thing yeah. to forgive. I mean, first of all, yeah, early two thousand, early two thousand, trying to be a woman. Are you kidding me? Yeah, in I think the, it's hard in now. The public eye. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like you were mentioning, like it was so much more. I mean, I could be wrong. It could still be, but it seemed like things were a lot more divided then. Mm-hmm. Like really looking back, like Britney Spears and Amy Lee and Christina Aguilera and so on. Mm-hmm. Like they were all like trying to do the same thing, yeah. which was like become, you know, like young ladies, like mm-hmm. young, like <laughs> successful ladies in the public eye. They're all trying to do the same yeah. thing. Because I think they're that, all right around the same age. Like I think yeah. Amy Lee was 19 when Fallen came out. Yeah. Which is but it seemed crazy. like worlds apart. Yeah. Completely. She like, Amy Lee seemed like Oh, I think like she a, might have been, like, 21, actually. Yeah. Sorry. Still yet. I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, Amy Lee seemed like a completely different universe than mm-hmm. Britney Spears, when mm-hmm. really, yeah, they were probably within a couple mm-hmm. years of each other in age. Yeah. Basically just trying to, like, navigate the same... Yeah. <laughs> the same career path. Yeah. It was, it was a very confusing tra- time trying to figure out, like, what I actually like and what was okay to like because they yeah. were not the same thing. Because I remember when Every Time came out by Britney Spears, I was like, oh, I like this. And how mm-hmm. different is it really from My Immortal Yeah. other than the person? Right. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite song on Fallen? Um, it's called Whisper. Is that what it is? Mm, I like that one. one. Yeah. At the time, my favorite was Everybody's Fool, which is a, song, a song, which is really a song about like the culture and... Um, we live in being a society. like fake, like being people being fake. Yeah, like yeah. The girls being fake. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I am like when I listen to Evanescence, I'm always going to go for the open door. Yeah, and like absolutely. my my favorite songs from the self titled. Yeah, and synthesis. Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah, what yeah. I'm going to go for. I don't go for Fallen a lot. Yeah, that's fair. But if it's like if I'm really going down mm-hmm. the rabbit hole. Then I, yeah, sure I'll listen to it. Yeah, fallen. Um, the fallen guitars are a little can be a little tough. They're kind of corny. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm going back and listening to fallen, I am I am I am in 2003. I'm I'm in it. I'm learning. Also, fallen has so they re-recorded some of the fallen songs on synthesis. Um, you know, took out the corn mm-hmm. guitars and both corny and corn. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's some little gems on there that got re-recorded, but fallen. I think my, f- I've, it's hard to pick a favorite at the time. My favorite was everybody's fool for sure. Uh, now one of them is probably my last breath. also has like a, a rare song because they i don't think they've ever actually played it live as a band there's that one weird like home video where 
I don't I, I have no idea what the context of it is. It seems like she might just be in her home with a fan and playing it, but oh, I, you show me this. Yeah, the song Hello. Again, that's, just like it's just her and piano. So that's my other favorite from the album. Yeah. That this was like a direct path to me being like, ah, Fiona Apple piano. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um it's also interesting because I at the same time was listening to some real bare bones lyrics like MXPX and Green Day and Good mm-hmm. Charlotte, <laughs> where it's just like they're just saying what they're eating for breakfast or whatever <laughs> to Evanescence where <laughs> Amy Lee is like writing poems and putting them to song. And it's like a little deeper. I mean, they're not, I mean, she, I'm not trying to overstate it or anything, but mm. I mean, it, it's just completely different and it like opened my eyes. I'm like, Oh, this is what music is. It's not mm. just like, <laughs> I was going to sing a song and I won't, but you know, there's just like very literal lyrics and, and like pop punk, music and mm-hmm. then there's like imagery and poem and and flowery lyric mm-hmm. i don't know it's a real a real dichotomy if you will <laughs> I, was, I, I was not confident that i was using that word correctly <laughs> but um yeah that was probably the the it's one of the few that has like maintained with me like i still love evanescence yeah I keep expecting Evanescence to like kind of like the overall public opinion to turn around, mm-hmm. which I think has happened slightly. Yeah. I mean, they're not like a punching bag, musical punching bag, like Nickelback is, for instance, mm-hmm. like to this day. But I think it's I think it's still one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, I listened to Evanescence a lot when I was a kid, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When really like the stuff they're still doing, Synthesis, for mm-hmm. instance, like they're still good stuff out there amy lee still sounds excellent yeah like still doing her thing her voice is still great Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah something interesting happens when women make music they're they are considered posers and (laughs) like fake and not really that talented they're not really writing it themselves i mean it's it's happened forever it was pretty bad. They're just propped up front to be hot. <laughs> yeah. They, I remember people being like, you know, Avril and Amy Lee are really not that different. They're both like just, they're just made, they're manufactured. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Who's, no one's saying that about, um, I don't know, Limp Biscuit. Right. They're no more manufactured <laughs> than Fred Durst. Is, yeah. Like they were. Or both, Jonathan Davis. Yeah. They're both like, m- Honest, like mainstream bands. Yeah, so, yeah, they all became successful. Yeah. I mean, get out of here with that. <laughs> you tell me who's more talented. Yeah, that's. I think that's about what I, I wanted to dive into as far as like what I was listening to at the time. There were some others, but those are those are the big ones that mm-hmm. I either still listen to now or had a, a big enough impact to be mentioned. There's some others where it's like, oh, I still kind of like this song, but who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um did you want to get into what 
you've discovered since then or have me yeah let's talk talk about about, so there's some albums that came out in 2003 that like i didn't listen to at the time i was still a few years away from from hearing or i'm into now but for sure wasn't as a child Mm -hmm. like typo negative we were not listening to typo negative as 13 and 14 year olds (laughs) and i don't think we should have been no if i was confused by beyonce saying got me sprung I was not going to know what to do with typo negative. <laughs> <laughs> we were not equipped to handle no, I still, what Peter Steele had to offer. I us. still don't think I am. I got to skip that some of those tracks. Yeah. <laughs> they freak me out. <laughs> but Life is Killing Me came out in 2003, which might be my favorite typo negative album. Really? Every time this comes up, you have that reaction. <laughs> I Yeah, it's like I... I know you've told me that before. Yeah. yeah. It might be. I, I, I suggested before we started recording that if we keep doing this until like October, that we should just do a series of typo negative episodes, like yeah. deep dive every album. Yeah. Cause there's a lot to talk about mm-hmm. a lot of good, a lot of like, maybe this as fans, this should be like broached <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing yeah. in 2023. Yeah. Um, if I were to rank the albums, I would put life is killing me like firmly in the middle. Whoa. Which is, wow. I mean, like, they're another band where it's like, they really have a bad album. It's like they had, <laughs> they had like, arguably a perfect album. Yeah. They had a couple really, really good albums. Mm-hmm. And then they had a couple that, if I'm in the mood, I'll listen to them. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I had the CD. Uh, so we're we're talking about like we no one should listen typo negative as children i was listening to them like by 2007 so yeah, it yeah, wasn't same. that far away yeah to be I think, honest i think 2007 was it for me uh yeah. which was the year their last album came out uh dead again yeah so was world coming down before or after this before world coming down was 99 okay so it was this and then dead again Mm -hmm. that makes sense because i had this on cd so i would have followed my same thing of i'll just get their most recent cd and Mm -hmm. listen to it Mm -hmm. which is probably why it's my favorite i listen to it first and the most so that makes sense yeah yeah Yeah. i also started listening to typo negative in 2007 Mm -hmm. probably the same way as you through Mm -hmm. mutual friends that Mm -hmm. we had um otherwise i didn't really i knew the name Typo Negative is mm-hmm. one of those band names I heard, but just kind of assumed like, oh, they're probably too extreme for me, not knowing anything about them mm-hmm. as a kid. Uh, and then, yeah, once I started playing in rock bands and started meeting other people in other rock bands, um, I met some friends who were way into Typo Negative, mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, I should give them a shot. Um, turns out I didn't really know any of their songs, but I enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first stuff I heard of theirs was earlier, like Bloody Kisses. Like that oh, kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, I didn't hear Life is Killing Me until later. Like, usually what I do is instead of listening to a band's most recent album, I'll, I'll usually listen to their first. Yeah. That's or if what they I have a now. lot of albums, I'll maybe listen to the most acclaimed, mm-hmm. um, which in the case of Typo, they didn't have a lot of albums, but I started with Bloody Kisses mm-hmm. and then kind of worked forward and then worked to the couple that were before Bloody Kisses. Yeah. I heard black number one first of course mm-hmm. um yeah. and that was like the only song of theirs i knew forever yeah. but it was so long that that was fine <laughs> that made you know that that kept me filled for a while yeah <laughs> and then yeah i got life is killing me yeah. um and listening through it again i'm like hell yeah this is it's, good. A, it's a very good album yeah i still say i would put it like fourth mm-hmm. in my ranking maybe above bloody kisses though 
but that's <laughs> okay. a that's a conversation for another day, like yeah. third or fourth, depending on my mood. Um, I am curious as to what the like how big typo negative was in two thousand three, because it yeah, seems like know. it's a good album. It's like kind of their classic sound still. Yeah, but I wonder if people like if fans felt they were like, past their prime at that point. Mm. If anyone cared, if if they did well. Yeah, like, I don't that's know. Something I wonder about. I feel. Oh my god. Okay. So on. So Fuse had that um, metal show with that goth girl, <laughs> and I feel like Typo Negative was on it or at least peter Steele was on it around that time mm-hmm. so so they had some I, sort maybe of, they were relevant i don't yeah. know yeah because they were peter Steele at least was not an old man but um he was he was probably 40 by the time life maybe. is killing me was coming out like when typo started he was already like 30 yeah he was an older man in old ancient man <laughs> yeah um just, I mean, like, usually when we look up bands, it's like, oh, they were 16 when they right. started. But yeah. Yeah, Peter Steele, like, he had done Carnivore mm-hmm. for years and all this other stuff. So, he, yeah, he was already 30 and, like, working a day job yeah. like, when Typo was happening. So then by the time you get to Life is Killing Me, yeah, he's into his 40s at this point. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if they were seen as, like, old, you know, the old hairy metal men. If it was their same kinda, anger. Yeah, or if they were still kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I was not mature enough to to get them yet um so mm. a few years away but yeah life is killing me was i bought it and i liked it uh i like if you don't kill me i'm gonna have to kill you i love that song i like that one a lot i like um less than zero the, the bang, 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 bang. Yeah. it's like a beetle it's like a like a sitar yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's very george harrison mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and that i mean i i didn't have the knowledge to put that together at the time right. but it makes sense now that i like yeah. it and i mean you people say this about a lot of bands but it's like said a lot that peter Steele was very into the beatles oh yeah like, it, like his whole thing was like the beatles plus black sabbath yeah equals typo negative yeah. and i feel like that album is the one where it makes the most sense mm-hmm. where it's, Oh yeah, I understand for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I did enjoy when I finally got into typo negative. Um, and I was just around like dudes who were too old for me to be around. <laughs> um, and wanted to talk about music that I could throw out. Like I listened to typo negative. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm wearing an Evanescent shirt. Make fun of me if you mm-hmm. want. I'm 15. Yeah. Real cool, dude. But then I could be like, I listen to Typo Negative, which at the time I didn't know. Like if they pulled the name three songs, I'd be like, I don't know. (laughs) It was, it got them away from me. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, she knows Typo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The song Life is Killing Me is great. Mm -hmm. The Dream is Dead. Um, I did pick a song. Relatable stuff. The what? Real relatable stuff. Life is Killing Me. The Dream is Dead. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very relatable. Uh, My personal favorite from the album is probably one of my top typo negative songs which is anesthesia I don't feel 
great song. I was absolutely not aware of it or yeah. the band in 2003, but a highlight of the year regardless. I forgot to mention on the last episode that Peter Steele should have been on the greatest vocalist list. Oh, absolutely. He's one of one, so yeah. I think it warrants a spot, but yeah. Yeah. Typo negative. Um, we can talk about this during the deep dive, but... I wonder what Peter still looked like when they were recording the album because I feel like his appearance changed drastically between like he was like the handsome vampire in October Rust mm-hmm. to like dead again when he was very in a bad way. And that's only a decade. Yeah. But also uh, he was going through it during mm-hmm. that time. So well, I wonder yeah. like was he just an in-between mm-hmm. still kind of handsome vampire but still kind of like I don't know getting kind of rough. Yeah. Anyway, to look it up, want to do some, want to do Google image the, searches with years. the safe search on, yeah. <laughs> to get what we're looking. Yeah, you for. have to when it comes to yeah. Peter Steele. Otherwise, that thing's gonna pop out of the oh, screen God. and poke you in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Um, on the other end of the spectrum, in two thousand three, was uh, Outcast, Speaker Box, Love Below. Um, the, I mean, again, like Hey Ya, Roses. Um, the way you move, like those were all Uh, everywhere. They were unavoidable and you could not, again, like 2003, if you wanted to like rock music, you could not like rap. It was not allowed. Right. Unless it was Linkin Park. Yeah. Which like. Yeah. Yeah. Or Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. 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 So it was again like, oh, this is like fun and I like it and it's catchy and it's like, how neat is how neat <laughs> yeah but it was like i can't like it but i did i liked it yeah hey y'all i really liked that was another thing like slightly less so than britney spears where it was like a little more okay to like hey y'all i guess i guess hip-hop was maybe like a little more acceptable right to like for a guy like me back then than mm-hmm. pop music yeah but yeah it, there it's just hooks upon hooks roses was great mm-hmm. i remember I remember a kid in band trying to play that song and the band teacher was like, eh, we don't play that. Um, I don't think I knew the way you moved back then, but great song. Get, mm-hmm. Ghetto music. Great song. Yeah. Just yeah. like, and I mean, God, it's a the whole al- album. Yeah. The double album. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're both good. Um, I didn't listen to like the entire double album for quite a while. Probably right. not until like 2009 or something. Yeah. When we got mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. it's same for me. Yeah. I think it was one of those things like, I don't know which one of us started it, but I remember for me, it was like, I was just thinking back and around that time and being like, you know, Miss Jackson was a great song. Oh my God. You know, you don't, at the time I hadn't thought of that song in a while and it's like, that was a great song. And then I go back and listen to it and then it's like, oh, they also did So Fresh, So Clean around Mm -hmm. that time. Oh, they also did Hey Y'all. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I I think I love (laughs) Outkast. And then you listen to an album and it's like. Oh, I love Outcast. Yeah. And I think that's probably how it started with us. Yeah. I I loved Miss Jackson when it came out. Shanoa and yeah. I would yeah. be walk because she lived in like a subdivision, like yeah. a cul-de-sac. And so we so we could like walk around. Again, I was from the farm, so I couldn't if you went to walk on the street, you would be on the highway. Yeah. So it was so fun. <laughs> we would just like walk around our neighborhood and we would just be singing Miss Jackson at the top of our lungs. Yeah. And we were just obsessed with that song makes sense turns out i just liked outcast yeah that's the kind of song where i feel like it was okay for everyone to like it's like so good on that level where it's like it like it doesn't matter yeah (laughs) all cultures yeah anyone can like yeah jackson yeah and you should it's a great song so yeah uh like i said i knew hey Mm y'all i knew a couple of those earlier songs um 
I mean, the whole double album is worth yeah. checking out. Uh, I mean, I feel like Big Boy and Andre were both like at a peak. They're another like Outcast is another one of those groups that didn't have a bad album. Right. They only had the five or six albums, but each one is excellent. Um, like Big Boy's half of like his Speaker Box album is great. If you look at his two solo albums, like Speaker Box is great, Love Below is mm-hmm. great. Like one of my favorites is another song I didn't discover and probably told to probably 2009 but the thing i like about the love below is like andre is still doing there's still a lot of rap mm-hmm. um and he's still doing that still like kind of on top of his game there but getting into like take off your cool mm-hmm. is on there like, yeah really they branching brought nora out. jones onto the album that yeah. was breaking barriers yeah there's <laughs> so much stylistic diversity mm-hmm. uh if not my favorite, definitely one of the highlights for me uh, is kind of Andre 3000's homage to Sly Stone mm-hmm. slash maybe a little prince, mm-hmm. which is uh, She Lives in My Lap. song and there's some other ones like prototype is another one yeah. where it's it feels like so far ahead of its time that mm-hmm. we haven't it's a point we haven't reached like they <laughs> they, they they seem throwbacky like she mm-hmm. lives in my lap there's a little bit of a sly stone like oh yeah right going on yeah. fresh like early 70s thing there's a little bit of a like a more like down tempo prince thing going on but also there is like i mean that's like a hip-hop beat that's going under that's mm-hmm. very like rooted in hip hop, even if there's not rapping in it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it also feels like the type of thing that could easily come come back around, like that type of sound could come back around mm-hmm. at any point. And then I don't know, culturally everyone like shift back to like, oh man, like Andre three thousand was doing this back in two thousand three. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I I feel like the double album was like controversial at the time. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad they did it because the love below was so different from what Outcasts had done. Mm-hmm. Like they you know, there's songs that are in the same vein, but like mm-hmm. she lives in my lap. We weren't getting that before. Right. And I remember hearing it and being like, is that him? Yeah. <laughs> like, is that yeah. him singing? Yeah. <laughs> I think I probably heard that around the same time I heard fresh and I was like, Oh, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I yeah. Get it. Vocals are excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's not, it's not like trying to branch out into something that's like 
far outside of his grasp. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, why wasn't this happening? Like albums earlier, it seemed like maybe the closest they got to it was like Spodiodito Policious yeah. or something, mm-hmm. as far like musically. Mm-hmm. I regret to say this out loud, but part of the reason I got into Outcast initially was, again, this is the mindset of a a fourteen year old, like white kid in Missouri, but. Part of my hang up back then, 20 years ago, about hip hop was like, oh, they just sample other people's music. Right. That was like my my hang up at the time. Yeah. I didn't, I don't feel like I ever had an issue with like rapping mm-hmm. as a, like a, like a musical form of mm-hmm. expression or an art form or whatever you call it, a performance or whatever it is. I don't think I ever had an issue with rapping mm-hmm. as it was. I think it was like, I I used to have some sort of issue with like, oh, well, it's just they're rapping, but it's over someone else's song. And it's like, I think, I think all I had to go by was ice ice baby, you know, like the songs that people point to her, it's like, yeah, that's what they're doing. Or that's what he's doing on ice ice baby or can't touch this where it's super freak. Mm -hmm. It's like in those cases, yes, he is basically rapping over super freak, but how many umpteen examples are there of, taking like sampling one one bar of a song putting it to a whole other beat mm-hmm. like stretching it out putting something else on top of it, on top of it and then turning it into a whole other piece of music mm-hmm. like yeah maybe you got this from like a rolling stone song or whatever whatever yeah. it is yeah. but then you like warp that's it cool. into something that's like your own creation yeah meanwhile like when songs um have the exact same chord progression to where mm-hmm. you can just play them over each other is like a fun fact yeah yeah <laughs> but that's... sampling is like oh <laughs> yeah yeah and i guess the reason i mentioned that is because outcast had a lot of songs i mean obviously they they used samples like anyone else but they did have a lot of songs that where the music was it's just original music. Mm-hmm. I believe that being that song, She Lives in My Lap, being one of them. I think mm-hmm. it was just an original piece of music. Is there's Vibrate, um, it's just something backwards. Is it She Lives in My Lap backwards? It's the beat for She yeah, Lives in My yeah, Lap. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Slowed down and, and reverse. And reversed. Yeah. But the, yeah, they're doing creative things like that. Yeah. Or like Prototype, where it's like a guitar based funk song. And as yeah. far as I know, it's an original piece of music. And I'm not saying that that that's what makes it superior right but that was my intro or mm-hmm. that was an intro to hip-hop yeah was the fact where it's like i can like this mm-hmm. because again i never had an issue with rapping but it, it's it like met your rules for, met your criteria it, <laughs> yeah and then i realized like i mean i guess quite literally i i thought miss jackson was the case mm-hmm. where it's like an original piece of music and it turns out it was very like very subtly like kind of influenced by uh the brothers johnson Mm -hmm. strawberry letter 23 yeah it's very hard to find but that's that's it It, yeah it's like it was kind of built from the ground up on the basis of that song but that doesn't like delegitimize it Mm -hmm. and then from there it's like oh like that's i mean the point i'm getting at is that like outcasts i listened to some other hip-hop you know prior to that but that was kind of the one once i started digging in it's like oh i can see where they how they got this from this older song and then turned it into this whole other mm-hmm. piece of music. And I kind of credit outcast with like opening my brain into understanding like, like the kind of whole other art. Yeah. Of, you know, just because you're not like dudes with guitars and drums <laughs> and bass, like you can still like create yeah. like tracks in whole other ways. Mm-hmm. Even if that means like, 
if you hear like a whole other piece of music you can make out of two bars of someone else's song and then you just like make that into your own creation mm -hmm. that's still like yeah. making art out of it it's and i cool yeah i credit outcast with yeah in addition to like you know like dr dre mm -hmm. or people like that but yeah the point i'm getting at that's a lot of those outcast hits i mean that's really what opened my mind to to all of that yeah i think outcast was really like the first rap that i openly liked um and didn't and was like whatever this is cool and then that mm -hmm. yeah opened opened the doors to being okay with like i like rap and hip-hop mm -hmm. mm -hmm. <laughs> and i also like other stuff yeah and like talking about it now as a 30 something it's like yeah i like garth brooks too who who cares yeah yeah it doesn't <laughs> but matter back no. then you couldn't it wasn't allowed it's yeah. wild. it's wild i think again we're not we're not teenagers in the 2020s <laughs> yeah. so yeah. we can't really like, speak to it but it seems like it seems like those genre barriers don't exist. Yeah, like you they played a you played a house show with your with your <laughs> rock band, and they're playing David Allen Coe as the house music. Yeah, that's confusing. Yeah, <laughs> or you have like you know, like Post Malone right. is doing rap, but yeah, um, starts off doing rap, but then <laughs> basically makes like kind of soft rock songs mm -hmm. sometimes. But then he's like jamming with Dwight Yoakam. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. People that's need, great yeah i don't know if you have harry styles doing glam rock everything yeah <laughs> great i love it yeah i again like looking from the outside i don't really know if this is the case but it does seem like genre barriers aren't there and mm -hmm. like the social constructs behind them but mm -hmm. in the early 2000s it was very much like you were one or the other like mm -hmm. there there were very separate categories and you had like your personality had to be based on them and you could not cross the lines. Mm -hmm. It was sad. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why a lot of these that we didn't listen to until later. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not saying, I wouldn't say I regret it, but yeah, it would, I wonder if I had been more open-minded or kind of had mm -hmm. felt like it would have been okay to listen through speaker box to love below yeah. or, or especially like in the zone. Yeah. If I had felt like, cause really honestly, like I don't know what I would have thought where it's like, I was, yeah, I don't think I was like comfortable enough to like say, I want to listen to In the Zone. I mm -hmm. like Toxic. Yeah. I want to check out the album. Yeah. It took until a decade later before it's like, who cares? I'm a grown man. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love that. I love Toxic. I love every time. I want to hear the album. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? And there is a part of me that wishes, like, as a 14 year old, I would have said, like, who cares? I know who I am. Yeah. Like, I do. I do. I'm sure there were people who who didn't care. Who maybe oh, yeah, it yeah. like wasn't their entire personality, like what they listened to. So they were more free. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, Shanoa, she listened to a lot. I mean, we were really listening to the Eighteens, and she also like knew some Queen songs that I, I before I did. Mm -hmm. um, and then she also, I think, Lincoln Park was her favorite band, which. Listening, I, I listened to the Meteora album thinking mm -hmm. I only knew the hits. I knew that entire album somehow. Uh -huh. I don't know if I did listen to it at the time and I forgot or if I was just around her so much that I got it. Yeah. But she was also listening to AFI, which um, I really don't think I appreciated, honestly, until this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, though. I don't know. I don't know what about them just didn't hit at the time. And now I'm just like, I gotta like it. I like most of these songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 18s put out an album in 2003. Oh, yeah. Their last one. R.I.P. 18s. They're so all right dead. If I, 
if I kind of segue, speaking of that. No. Or, okay. No, you can. <laughs> uh, speaking of last albums, something I noticed when I was kind of going through the list of what came out. There Are were you going to play l- King Crimson? <laughs> no, um, King Crimson, like Robert Fripp is super hardcore about like copyright mm. strikes. Okay, we won't play any King Crimson even, ever, even otherwise, I I, yeah. Too bad. Um, but there were a lot of last albums in 2003. Uh-huh. It seemed like more than you would expect. 18s released mm-hmm. their last album, um, King Crimson, as you mentioned. Um, just to kind of quickly run down the list. Zwan, if you want to count it, released <laughs> their one and only album. Uh, Zwan. They kind of like, it seemed like at some point they became a, or were always like kind of a punchline. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, you know. Billy Corgan, he was great until Zwan, you know, that kind of thing. And then it wasn't until this week where I really thought, like, what's the deal with Zwan? You know, I like the Smashing Pumpkins. Like, I have my feelings about Billy Corgan as a human being. Mm-hmm. But the Smashing Pumpkins in the 90s, like, pretty unstoppable. And then it's like, there's only a few years removed between Adore and Zwan. Turns out, it's fine. There's some good albums, or good songs on Zwan. Yeah, I had downloaded Zwan songs, um in the mid 2000s because i was trying to get into the smashing pumpkins Mm -hmm. they were hit and miss Mm -hmm. and for some reason i found zwan but the one song i like i don't think it was theirs apparently it's a cover but the but love to love and it's not billy corgan singing it Mm. and i'm not 100 percent sure it's zwan (laughs) to be (laughs) honest it's a little i can't results are inconclusive (laughs) i i know they did a couple of non-album covers yeah there's like a lady singing it they're well they yeah they had a bass player he always, a, i mean well, he yeah, always, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um it was the um it was the same lady who played with perfect circle uh melissa oftmar no uh Paz. she plays with the pixies now oh. um yeah i know they did a couple of weird covers that weren't on the album but yeah uh zwan their only album was 2003 King Crimson The Power to mm-hmm. Believe mm-hmm. their last obviously they kept touring up until probably obviously, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, they continued to tour up until just a couple of years ago but their last studio album was The Power to Believe pretty good album um, oddly it's like Robert Fripp flirting a little bit with like Who? kind of new metal tunings oh. <laughs> um, Allman Brothers Band hitting the note their last album uh, the Postal Service, their only album was... Yeah, I was a few years away from the Postal Service, but I did listen to them eventually. Um, obviously, Such Great Heights. Yeah. Uh, originally, Iron and Wine. And then yeah. the Postal Service, which is so... That seems so strange to me. Yeah. Like, like what? what is the series of events that led to that? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> what a random band to cover, a random band. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steely Dan, mm-hmm. I believe their last album was 2003. You Love This Guy, Warren Zevon, his last album was 2003. Uh, Pat Benatar, um, her last album to date was in 2003. Am I right about Such Great Heights? It was Iron and Wine that wrote it, or is it the Postal Service that wrote it? Which way was it? <laughs> I'm sorry. As soon as I said it, I kept thinking, I'm like, is that right? Or was the Postal Service first? Now I'm thinking they were first. This is a real Johnny Cash hurt situation, huh? Will we ever know? Uh, such Great Heights written by Ben Gibbard okay, and James yeah. Scott Timberello. 
it was the postal service first. <laughs> so sorry. That was going to bu- I said it and it just kept poking at my brain. I'm like, mm, I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, um Outcast technically, their last album That's 2003. Yeah, you have the Idlewild soundtrack, soundtrack yeah. but I don't know if I'd count that as I a don't think I would. proper album. No. Um I guess kind of the the main theme that I'm I'm getting at with this um obviously I played a clip from Outcast mm-hmm. uh my other favorite of final albums from 2003 is um, another one I was definitely not aware of at the time, but Fleetwood Mac. Oh, right. Say yeah. You Will. Yeah. Um, Christine McVie, sadly not on the album for the most part. Yeah. She did backing vocals on two songs. Weird. But it was uh, written otherwise and fronted by Lindsay and Stevie. Um, I like the album. It's aged well. I wish Christine McVie was on it. Yeah. I'm not saying that just because she's recently left mm-hmm. us, but uh, it kind of makes you like realize what she brought mm-hmm. to the three of them. Like mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a grounding that she brings. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it's like Stevie doing her thing, <laughs> maybe a little too much of her thing. And Lindsay yeah. doing a little too much yeah. of his thing. We need Christine as the bridge. between. Yeah. My beef with the album is Whoa. with, most albums of the CD era, it's too long. It's oh, 18 songs. Yeah. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And I feel Red like... Red Hot Chili Peppers. Is that who they think they are? Red Hot, Red, I don't know. <laughs> they always have a lot of songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. What would you cut from Blood Sugar Sex Magic? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. But yeah, that's sort of my thing with Say You Will mm-hmm. compared to like Rumors where mm-hmm. they only had... Obviously, they should have put Silver Springs on it, but that's uh, a conversation yeah. for another day. Yeah. But like in that vinyl era, you're really limited to your 40 to 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Whereas once you have 80, 80 minutes on an album, then there yeah. were some bands that were like, okay, I'm going to fill up the 80 minutes. Yeah, instead of just leaving it to the death metal 20-minute song guys to utilize, the oh, pop bands were like, ah, I'll get there more songs. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that being said, I do like the album uh, – I prefer the Lindsay songs on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Lindsay Buckingham, another kind of classic rock artist who has had a crazy second wind where he kind of, after he left Fleetwood Mac in the eighties, he somehow got even better at guitar. Mm-hmm. Been a guitar wizard since then. Uh, he has some kind of all time career highlights in my opinion on Fleetwood Mac, um, including this sort of provocatively titled song mm-hmm. come. <laughs> God. listen to that album to be honest with you i've definitely never heard that song it's very interesting it's great yeah um not what i was gonna expect Um, i do like to think about all the different things that were happening in 2003 what a wide variety of music yeah that yeah that song i mean that album in general doesn't it's yeah it's it's aged well 
Yeah, I'm going to have to listen to it. Yeah. We did hear a song from uh, that album when we saw them live the first time. Mm, I is, think I knew that. Is yeah, it's sad. Sad. It's, uh, yeah. Sad. <laughs> sad one. I talked about the farm too long. We got to wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can I can cut some stuff. <laughs> I know. Um another band. Well, I don't know. I was going to say another band I didn't get into until later. I don't know that I'm into them now. I think I tried and not a whole a lot of songs grabbed me. Um Radiohead. Mm-hmm. Like I tried. I I could probably do it again. I I could probably get into them if I had to, but <laughs> It's just like, it's just, it's like partially kind of intimidating because I, it's just like the the reputation behind them is heavy Mm -hmm. that people just like them so much. And I think at the time I was trying to listen to them, which would have been quite a bit later than when this came out, but I I don't think I was equipped for it. But one song that I like really love a lot from Hail to the Thief is Where I End and You Begin. like the only non-single song that i really care about um that's not true i know there are other radiohead songs that i've heard like from one of your playlists or something mm-hmm. and i think i've added them to mine i mm-hmm. couldn't tell you for a million dollars what they are i know yeah. they exist it's just like there's so much to get into mm-hmm. so i just haven't tried i'll just like stumble upon them but i did listen to that whole album at some point and that was the song i was like I like this. That's a good song. Um, Interestingly. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have something to say about Radiohead? Please go on. You can, I'm, no, I'm, you can, no, no. I was going to pivot to a different topic. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say around that same time, 2003, maybe 2004, I was at my friend Evan's house and I was late at night and we put on VH1 and the video for There There, which is the following song, mm. or maybe the, I think it's the following song on the album. The video came on and it was a very sort of trippy music video and i i knew creep and that was about it right but i i didn't catch what the song title was i just saw it was radiohead and then that song uh was kind of stuck in my head for a long mm-hmm. time and it's like i gotta know what, what song <laughs> that is and then finally i found out it was there there from 2003 yeah one of my favorite radiohead songs and then yeah the song you played is good punch up at a wedding is good i'm kind of the same way about radiohead where I didn't like, I've always liked songs of theirs, but then by the time I wanted to dive in, it was like too daunting because mm-hmm. they're like the biggest mm-hmm. band in the world in a way. But yeah, every time I listen to them, it's like, I, I haven't gone like to the bottom of the rabbit hole, but it's like, I'll put on the bins and I'll be like, oh, I love the bins. And then I'll put on OK Computer and oh, I love OK Computer. But I never like went full like, you know, yeah, down the, into like the, into the white fan. light. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when you're talking about hearing that song and not being able to figure out what it was, it reminded me. So I was looking at the charts for 2003, mm-hmm. like the end of year charts. And a lot of them were songs that came out in 2002 that bled over. 
And one of them was uh, Daniel Bedingfield, brother of Natasha, mm-hmm. the song, um, If You're Not the One. <laughs> and it just remind, I was just so pleased that it was on there because that's the song that I heard on the radio one time. This is before lyrics were on the internet. So you couldn't just Google a lyric that you remember. Right. I emailed the radio station saying, <laughs> I think you played this song around this time. And this is what the song was kind of about. I think this was a lyric. Can you tell me what it was? I didn't get a response, but I did oh. eventually figure out what the song was. It's <laughs> funny. Sorry. <laughs> a little anecdote. Um, do you have anything else about Radiohead? Not really. That's about okay. it. Like as far as 2003 is concerned. Yeah. Um, so I know around the same time I was listening to that song, I was also listening to Death Cab for Cutie. Um, Transatlanticism came out in 2003, which is like their big album. Um, it's really good. I don't know what to say other than it's really good. But I was listening to their like 2008 album at the same time I was listening to this. I remember because I made a lot of playlists and like mixed CDs at the time. So where end and you begin and like songs from Narrow Stairs around there. But I was again a few years away from Death Cab in 2003. Um, I needed to go. I needed to go through some some other stuff before yeah. I could really get it. But yeah, Death Cab is not a junior high kid. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I had to be solidly in high school. Um, I, I think you have to have your license to listen to Death Cab. That, yeah, that that's seems a, right. That's a late night driving. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Transatlanticism is good. I mean, I don't honestly. The song that I know for sure was a single is "The Sound of Settling." That song kind of feels like the most out of place on this album. Yeah. It's just like so silly, but I like it. Um, that might have been the first one I heard, and then I listened to the rest of this album, and I'm just like, "Whew, what an album!" Yeah, I mean, there's just some real heart heartstring tuggers on here. I didn't know about it until within the. I mean, probably definitely within the time that we've been together. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea it was something you introduced me to. Yeah. It's hard. Um, a lot of the music I listened to back back in the day, it it doesn't hold up, but it's hard to know. I just like naturally kind of lost it because my, my interests shift did to different types of music to listen to, and I just kind of lost some of it. Like uh, certain songs would stick with me that I really liked, but as albums they didn't. But so it's it's always a toss up. Like if I listen back to this, is it going to be good or is it going to be like, ah, this person was clearly doing crimes, you know, <laughs> like there's a lot of bands I can't listen to anymore um, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Lyrics are either just like cringy to they done crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, a so, lot in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Death Cab, um, I revisited because, you know, the song I Will Follow You Into the Dark, that's, that's always one where it's like, it was like played a lot and... Maybe I don't know. I, it's just such a sweet little song. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! There's a video of Amy Lee doing that song on like a Hello Kitty keyboard. It's really funny. Um, but so I was pleased when I revisited Death Cab that they they hold up. Mm-hmm. I think they hold up. I listened to some of their later albums. So I'm like, okay, I could have stuck with Death Cab. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I think I think we're we're on the right page with them. I'm glad they seem to be, <laughs> they're okay to listen to in yeah. this year, yeah. 2023. Um, I think my favorite song from transatlanticism is, uh, we look like giants. Subcompact, fumbling to make contact as the 
That song's really good. I like that the last like three minutes of it are just instrumental. That's probably my favorite song on the album yeah, too. Again, a I'm, a, I'm a newcomer ones. to it. I can't, I'm not one of those people who knows it by heart. <laughs> yeah. I, I like it. Yeah. I understand the mm-hmm. appeal. Yeah. Death Cab for Cutie. Um, Pretty good band. <laughs> I think that was all of your picks. Mm-hmm. I still have a couple. Okay. Um, what do you got? Um, just to kind of like quickly reiterate, I, I wasn't listening to a lot of new music in 2003. Yeah. Anything I was hearing were like individual singles and it was not to dwell on it too much but just for the sake of honesty i guess it would have been stuff like uh i was aware of godsmack then (laughs) you know i stand alone it wasn't something i i sought out but i knew it yeah like serenity stained um Mm -hmm. i hate to say it aaron lewis is just a turd of a man he's just a a husk of a a human being so dumb his voice has probably held up the best out of any of those guys is that because he didn't do much with it (laughs) you think (laughs) yeah i mean he didn't have a lot of notes and he sang so slow yeah that that might be but his voice is held up i don't understand it yeah um as i was well i'll get back to this later but uh probably the most pivotal release for me in 2003 wasn't even music that was recorded around that time it was led zeppelin's how the west was won oh of course um which was recorded across two shows in 1972 Mm -hmm. which is weird to think that that was 31 years before it came out seems like longer but yeah that came out uh summer i believe 2003 and i have a very vivid memory of my friend again john twiggy Mm -hmm. buying it we went to walmart before we were going to go to a friend's house he picked it up and then we listened to it on the way to our friend's house. Our friend lived deep in the woods of <laughs> Christian County, Missouri, like way out in the sticks. So we got to hear the first four tracks or so. And then we spent like, it was probably five of us at my friend Mark's house. And we went, uh, Twiggy and I went down into the basement that night. They had a pool table. So we shot pool all night and listened to How the West Was Won. A three, three CD live set, mind you. We listened to it twice. Oh, God. And then just talked about, you know, life as 14 year olds do. (laughs) But that, again, that being the same summer that I started playing guitar, I was already into Led Zeppelin. That live album was a, like one of the biggest things in my life ever. Like that's, like I know there's discourse about Led Zeppelin. Um, We don't need it. (laughs) Yeah, we don't need it. That, that, I mean, whatever, whatever the future holds for their legacy, like that night in particular, hearing how the West was won, Mm -hmm. was like, I mean, that'll be like one of the top 10 moments in my life. Right. Like one of the epiphanies was hearing how the West was won. So I didn't pull a clip from that, um, mainly just because it was from 30 years earlier <laughs> when it was actually recorded. But you I mean, that talk plus, about it. Yeah, got to yeah. talk about it. And their DVD, which kind of spanned career performances, mm-hmm. was also released in 2003. Both of those things together, that I mean, that shaped the entirety of my teenage years. Yeah. Um, so I had to mention that, uh, but moving on something else, I was, I wasn't aware of this next song, but going back to playing a lot of Tony Hawk's pro skater Mm -hmm. and that's sort of bridging the gap between video games and getting into music. Mm -hmm. I think it was Tony Hawk's underground two, which came out maybe Oh four. Again, they all had great soundtracks. This one had a band that I was already into named ween. 
Oh boy. Um, I was not expecting Ween to come. Yeah. Up. Uh, it had their song, It's Gonna Be a Long Night, mm-hmm. which was from their 2003 album, Quebec. Um, I did not pull that song, but at the time, my knowledge of Ween was limited to like their goofy early songs because, again, same friend Twiggy and I had a joke band at the time and we would just make really goofy music and it was loosely inspired by Ween because it was two guys doing the same thing like 15 <laughs> years before us. Um, I didn't, I had no idea that they were later became kind of a renowned, like funny kind of jam band <laughs> thing. I didn't know about that. I knew the goofy songs and that was it. And their country album in the mid nineties. That's all I knew of them. Uh, Quebec was 2003 and that was maybe the closest thing they did to a serious album. <laughs> um, they're still goofy songs. There's some serious songs sung in a goofy voice. Like it's, you know, it's an acquired taste mm-hmm. and there's like Wayne super fans. Again, I'm not one of them, but I do have an appreciation for them. Uh, this is one of those songs where, I don't know, it's like a rare, just fully serious song from them. Uh, one of the guys in the band was like going through a serious divorce after being together for super long. And it's like, you can tell they're trying to do a, a regular goofy album. And then there's like three or four songs on the album where this guy's just like, He's just writing about his life falling apart mm-hmm. in the middle of like songs about poop. <laughs> and then there's bleep that. Yeah. And then there's stuff like this. Uh, I don't want it. Like, I know Ween. Who mm-hmm. did Teenage Dirtbag? Wheatus. Okay, I, that's what I'm um, thinking of. Ween, the closest thing they had to a hit was Push the Little Daisies. Which is like 90, early 90s. Yeah, I think they're just, like, I've heard of Ween. I'm aware of, like, what they're about. Mm-hmm. It seems plausible that they could have written Teenage Dirtbag, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. Or maybe it was just because Wheatus. Wheatus Ween, Ween yeah. Um, I like that. Yeah, it's a very nice song. Yeah. Uh, the song after that on the album is called The Eft Jam, but it's like the word. <laughs> but that's that's the thing. It's like... It's I love a, that. Yeah. It's like, how bad must it be for a, a joke band to put out Have this to put a, that's, song? Yeah, that's kind of the appeal for me. Yeah. It's like I got into them for being a joke band. Yeah. And then it's like, people seem to love their later stuff. Why? And then I read and it's like, that sounds weird. I want to listen to it. And it jumps back and forth, like I was saying earlier, between serious songs, serious songs in a funny voice, so mm-hmm. on. Yeah, that song's great. There's a couple others uh, along that line, and then the rest of it's their usual funny mm-hmm. stuff. But there's like, 
songs like kind of scattered throughout the album. They're just like super pretty and super yeah. sad. Yeah. So. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I was listening to Wayne back then. Had no idea that they were doing <laughs> stuff like that. I yeah. was listening to like you effed up. <laughs> <laughs> My last pick uh, is also something that I had no knowledge of until years later, but probably one of the highlights like looking back of 2003 for me which is opeth oh <clears throat> uh they released two albums around that time i think they're one of them was this one was definitely in 2003 there might have been a second one in 2003 or maybe 04 but this is kind of at their peak when they were working with stephen wilson of porcupine tree mm-hmm. i think a lot of people sort of point to that as their peak when he was producing them so this is when they were still doing like the death metal thing But then for this one album, uh, which is Damnation, they kind of their goal was they recorded two albums at the same time. So Damnation is more like melodic rock, which Mm -hmm. really, I don't know if this is what they're going for, but it reminds me of kind of Alice in Chains, like listening to like Jar of Flies or something like that, Uh or Perfect Circle maybe. And then their other album around that time, Deliverance, is just like just full on death metal. Um, Damnation, I listened to that and... (laughs) And that one grabbed me right away. Uh, my favorite song from the album, oddly, you were watching a few years ago, you were watching Criminal Minds for a while. Mm-hmm. And they played this song on an early episode. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, that's Opeth. <laughs> um, Death Whispered a Lullaby. Shadows moving. Don't be afraid. Hold my hand into the dark. There are eyelids closing, buried alive in the shifting sand. I definitely recognize that song. I know that song. I've probably subjected that song to you many times. Yeah, I love Christian rock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Whitney, for some reason, thinks that Opeth and King Crimson and Porcupine Tree, all all those bands sound like Christian rock. You can't prove that they're not. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Uh, Again, another song that does not sound like 2003, but that's when it came out. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely remember that one. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the last of my picks. Okay. What What would you say, Whew. if you had to pick like a highlight, like an album or song oh. uh, from 2003? For me personally? Personally and or, I mean, I, I mean, there might just be, it might be one in the same, but personally slash just overall. Um, pro- it's got to be Fallen by Evanescence. Okay. Or the Freaky Friday soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. That was a good soundtrack. I had that on CD. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of things. I mean, there was a lot of other good stuff that came out that we didn't even cover. Yeah. I mean, 
Mars Volta was another, like, I didn't listen to them a lot, but I remember them being huge in high school. Yeah, I never got into them. Perfect Circle. Like, there was a oh, lot yeah. of, a lot of, like, huge stuff that yeah. we couldn't even, that would be another two and a half hours if mm-hmm. we continued going on. But, I mean, that's... Too much music. Yeah. But, yeah, 2003, a lot going on in that year. Mm-hmm. 20 years. Happy 20 years, birth- baby. Happy birthday. Yeah. yeah. What's your song pick? Well, you're going to hate my song pick. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I have to preface... Uh, <laughs> I have to preface by denouncing this person's last project oh. before he passed away. Oh, you went with it? I went with it. Oh. Screw it. You silly goose. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously Jeff Beck passed away a few years, or a few years, <laughs> a few days prior to recording this. Um, it's a shame that his whole career was excellent, and then his last project was the thing he did with Johnny Depp, which even even aside from the recent court thing... <laughs> It wasn't going to be good music, regardless right, of the right. type of person he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you just throw that on top of it. I I get the feeling that, I'm not trying to say this to justify it, but I get the feeling that that was something they probably worked on, because obviously albums take a while. I, I assume they probably had been working on it for a while, and then when that whole thing was happening, it probably got put on the back burner. And then once things turned out the way they did, he's probably like, oh, okay, I can release this now. It should have stayed on the shelf <laughs> the forever. Vault. So um, I do have to preface with that. It's a turd. Um, obviously, as a guitarist, he's excellent. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to play his version of Goodbye Pork Pie Hat, the Charles Mingus song hmm. um, from Wired. The whole, like his whole version, it's a five and a half minute guitar solo. So I'm just going to play the kind of his opening rendition of the main theme of the song. I'm sure some, some some person would say, oh, well, clearly the best part is three minutes and six seconds in when he does that crazy, like, screamy bend. Well, of course, that's the best part of the song, but I can't play a five and a half minute song in its entirety. Just listen to it yourself. <laughs> from his uh, jazz fusion years. Hmm. Excellent guitar playing as always. Too bad about that last album he did. I honestly don't know that much about Jeff Beck. Was he in a band? <laughs> <laughs> he was in... Uh, was he one one of those guys? He was band? in the Yardbirds. Um, <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. He mainly he mainly just kind of played solo like he had the Jeff Beck group. Yeah, okay. Um, I was thinking he did something yeah he he kind of came to fame in the yardbirds like he replaced eric clapton and then jimmy page replaced jeff beck got it um 
And then he made the Jeff Beck group, which was kind of like a contemporary of Led Zeppelin. So like Rod Stewart was the singer mm-hmm. and he was doing like kind of the ballsy screaming. Mm-hmm. And it was that loud sort of Zeppelin-y playing. And then Jeff Beck like ditched that. And then he kind of played some like, he kind of like hooked up with like some funk guys mm-hmm. and did some a couple funky albums. And then he ditched that and then like went to hard rock again, ditched that and then just played it straight played straight up jazz fusion for a couple albums mm. and just, you know how much I love Jimmy page. I mean, Jeff Beck, I'm not just saying this cause he also recently passed away. He was probably like the, the most like proficient of like those three Yardbirds guys. Oh, okay. Um, like he was kind of the one where even like into his seventies, he was still like kind of taking his craft seriously. Mm. Whereas like Jimmy page, I feel like had a really, he had the strongest peak of any of them in the Zeppelin years. And then, had you know his issues and then never quite got back to a hundred percent and Eric Clapton was just overrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Jeff Beck, like he was I feel like he was kind of the middleman as far as guitar heroes go, like doing the wizardry stuff. Mm-hmm. Like picked up the gauntlet, I guess, from Hendrix. Like up until you started having like, you know, Van Halen and like the eighty shredders. Like he he didn't do the shreddy thing, but just he did the sort of wizardly wizardry stuff that no one else was able to do. Okay. That was kind of his thing. But yeah, other than his like brief stint in the Yardbirds, it was mostly just him doing like solo stuff. Mm-hmm. Some vocal stuff when Rod Stewart was in the band, but then after that it was largely like instrumental guitar stuff. Okay. Yeah. And he was Beck's dad. Yeah, yeah. Um my pick is <laughs> uh I don't know, I've just been listening to it a lot uh lately. I've been listening to Haley Williams' first solo album a lot. Um, speaking of bands I got into later, I did a listen to Paramore cause I, um, I just wasn't into them when their albums came out and I did a re-listen and got a different opinion, but, um, I really like Haley Williams solo stuff. Um, so I've been listening to Cinnamon a lot. You played that song for me before, right? I think so. Because I remember the beat. I was laughing because you were talking earlier about Evanescence uh-huh. and getting into the lyrics. Uh-huh. And you said, I like <laughs> oh. pop punk bands, but it's like Green Day and Blink-182 and MXPX were just talking about what they had for breakfast that day. <laughs> it can, you can like both, you know? <laughs> but then like straight up, mm-hmm. didn't she say, eat, eat my breakfast? Eat my breakfast in the nude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't say what she was eating. No, but she's but... telling us about her day. Yeah. <laughs> You can like both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been uh, pleasantly surprised by her solo album. It's a lot weirder than Paramore. Um, eh, I don't know. Like it. Yeah. I also did not listen to Paramore um, when they got big because, again, I was not into pop punk. Yeah. But you, yeah, because you've been listening to them the last mm-hmm. month or so, you'll play me stuff and. The majority of it I've liked. I mean, especially the newer stuff. I've, I've loved all of the yeah. newer stuff you played for me and yeah. her solo things. You kind of have to wait until they stop singing about God and yeah. start singing about 
breakfast. Yeah, yeah. breakfast in the nude. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. The you played me some of their older stuff recently, and it still didn't like hit for me. Mm-hmm. But once they get into like the sort of dancey, mm-hmm. upbeat, yeah, rock, it's fun. Then yeah, I've I've loved all of that. Yeah. Um, if you haven't listened to Haley Williams' solo album, it's good. There's a song where she just straight up kind of sounds like she's like a Bjork thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just like a lot of bass and like weird drum beats. And I don't know. I like it. Yeah. Nice song. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope you all enjoyed 2003 with us. It was long. Um, May it rest in peace. Rest in peace, 2003. Happy birthday. Um, I hope. You go out and get some freedom fries and post a MySpace bulletin and don't get SARS. Bye.